Welcome to the 72nd episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Anime Podcast, where I'm always right and the other two are always wrong. Today, we are covering the 10th week of the fall 2018 anime season. As always, we include timestamps in the description of the YouTube video and podcast feed if you only want to hear about one or two specific shows, since we will be spoiling everything per usual. My name is Leo, and one day I'm going to give half of my unfinished rice bowl to someone who loves Doriku, just like me. Also with me are Becom and Kat. Hey. Hi, always right, Leo. How are you doing? I'm Becom. I'm doing great. I expect a cat to yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> I held back like yeah. Toko in, bl- in uh, bl- goddamn Bloom Into You. I held myself back. I, mm-hmm. I was expecting Kat to be cussing me out as I finished the rest of that intro. <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. Uh, not as good reactions as I got. I'll try harder next time. Yeah, you <laughs> so gotta try harder than that, Leah. That's all. Man, I'm that was... So, what kind of nonsense did you guys get into this week? Become. How about you start, <laughs> please? I'll start with my long tail. So, okay, uh, a friend of mine was talking about watching Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei and how there was like a reference in it to this movie called the Nan Kyoku Monogatari, which is this old movie translates to. Antarctica story. It's also known as Antarctica. It's from like 1983. And I was like, oh, this movie sounds interesting. Uh, I might as well check this out. So I found like, you can just Google it. It's like all up on YouTube. I don't know how legal that is, but whatever. That's where I watched it. Um, It's based on this true story of like a 1958 Japanese science expedition to the South Pole, which goes really wrong because the weather turns bad. And so the expedition is forced to like return to their boat Basically, uh, they're like icebreaker, uh, and they they chain up all of their husky dogs, these Sakhalin huskies, uh, and leave them behind with some food, expecting like the second team to come right back in a few days once the weather clears up. But it turns out the weather is so bad that the huskies are just stranded there, uh, and literally for like eleven months to just fend for themselves. Uh, like luckily. Yeah, it's pretty sad. Like, but luckily, most of them are able to break free from their tr- uh, their chains. But then, still, they have to try to survive on their own in Antarctica for that entire time. Those what were they eating? Puppies. So at first, they were eating uh, the stuff that they left behind, which was like fish parts and stuff. Like, but um, one of the things they find to eat, like when like the ice shifts in our Antarctica, it drives like salmon or like what other fish there are up in, in between the cracks of the ice. So they eat that for a little bit and they, they eat penguins and seals and stuff like that. I was wondering <laughs> if they ate penguins <laughs> and like birds. So they do survive for a little bit. Um, it's a truly incredible movie. Like first it's 1983. So like it's a little grainy, but like the shots they get are just incredible. A, a lot of the film was shot in Antarctica Mm-hmm. Though a lot of it was also filmed in the like the very northern tip of Hokkaido in Japan, um, but like regardless, it's like a really believable Antarctic landscape, and so you feel like you're there. It's really cool, but like the true star of this movie is those husky dogs. Like they're they give these incredibly moving performances that like constantly had me going. Like how the hell did the filmmakers get these dogs to do this? Like I don't understand. It's incredible what they do. Um, and also really notably, the soundtrack was composed by Vangelis, who's, uh, really famous for his Chariots of Fire and Blade Runner soundtracks from the same time that have that, like, booming Yamaha CS80 synthesizer sound in the background, and it's really present in this film soundtrack, too, and it's really well used. Uh, this was, like, one of the most popular movies ever 
in Japan uh, until Princess Mononoke came along. It was the highest grossing movie of all time in Japan. And then there was an American remake made uh, with Paul Walker called Eight Below, which you might have seen, which had a lot more mixed reviews. Uh, it also apparently like changes a lot of the basic facts of what happened and uh, and like kind of tones down some of like the sadder parts. Um, but yeah, I, the other thing I found really interesting about this is that it's in Antarctica and it takes place at Showa Base, which is the place where the girls and a place further than the universe are like when they get to Antarctica. It's the same, you know, research base. And in a lot of the ways, the, the movie feels really similar well, to that show. They, oh, what's up? Did they have any other research bases or just the one? <laughs> I think that's the main <laughs> Japanese research base in Antarctica. So, okay. yeah, that makes well, they, sense. Yeah, it makes sense. They keep going back there. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, the movie feels similar because two of the scientists from the expedition to Antarctica in the movie feel incredible guilt over leaving the dogs behind. And they're constantly wondering, like, what happened to them if they survived and they really want to get back there. And it just obviously you know reminded me of Shirase in I, I a place for the universe. I don't give a shit if they feel constant guilt. They shouldn't have chained up the dogs if they knew they were going to leave them. That was They dumb. didn't know they were going to leave they, them. The second group was supposed to come and get them. Yeah, they, they didn't know they were going to leave them, and they wanted to go back immediately, but they couldn't. They, they didn't have enough fuel to go back, uh, and if they wanted to make more fuel, they would have had to waste like limited water supply on the ship. Like There's a whole bunch of reasons why they just could not go back, and it like tore them up inside. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not all bad news. Well, actually, before I say that, like... There's also like referential shots in A Place for the Universe. Like after I watched this movie, I went back and just looked and skimmed through A Place for the Universe. And like I noticed these shots of like these flags whipping in the wind around the Showa base in the anime that are totally from this movie. Uh, so they're like they're very aware of it. And there's that episode where the girls go to the Polar Science Museum in Tachikawa, Japan, and you see the statues of these husky dogs outside or maybe not these husky dogs, but husky dogs in general i think these are the ones though and uh yeah at that museum like the lives of these dogs are like documented there like and especially taro and jiro who uh those two dogs are considered like japanese national heroes to this day so yeah i would highly recommend seeking out and watching this movie antarctica from 1983 if you are sensitive to bad things happening to dogs in movies you might have a little trouble with this one there's (laughs) Without spoiling yeah. too much, there is a non-zero number of dogs who die in this movie. Hmm. But if you can get past that, it is a really, really fantastic film. So, yeah. Highly recommend it. Nice. Cool. How you guys doing? Uh, you go, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> you had a more exciting uh, week than I did. <laughs> I, I, I had a holiday party I went to last weekend. It was a lot of fun. Uh, h- h- hang out with a lot of people I hadn't hung out with a little bit. Saw a guy in a uh, in a Santa like a like you know a suit like in the traditional sense of like a CEO style suit, but it was yeah. like um, red and green and had like holiday patterns on it. So I don't know where That's the weird. fuck he got that. <laughs> but <laughs> it was it custom tailored. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you want me to tell the the other part that I told you? If you want to, <laughs> you don't have to, but yeah, please. <laughs> uh, so we met up with one of my friends who she just had a baby like six months ago, and she came out, and it was like their first time out, 
and she kept complaining later on in the night that like her boobs hurt because she hadn't like she'd been breastfeeding and she hadn't like um pumped or whatever before she left like the baby the baby at the babysitter and we all got trashed and at some point i was like i'm sorry your boobs hurt and i like reached out and like squeezed her boob and like she got milk like all over the top like depressed <laughs> and like it got on my hand and i was like oh, <laughs> oh my God. So, so that was oh, funny man. but we were all trashed so we all just laughed about it it was fine. Why do you just have to milk your friends, Kat? That's so weird. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, mine was a very uh, non-exciting week so far. About as exciting as it got was when I went to my dentist appointment, which was actually today. And I did an x-ray, and I actually got to see the roots of my teeth. And they said they were really, really deep. And that's so good. deep. Yeah, that's really good. Did they say it like I'm... sexy porn style? Like, did you feel like this was going to turn into something uh, R-rated? They're like, your roots are so deep. We have to inspect further. That would have been really weird because my mom's a dental assistant there. And... <laughs> that would have been a little awkward. Yeah, it was really awkward. Yeah, so that's how exciting my week has been but on the bright side uh, as of recording this only got to work one more day tomorrow and i'm off for 11 days and oh, holy shit that's, dude. Awesome. that's a lot super looking forward to that yeah excited for so, you yeah this weekend and then all the week of christmas and then we get new year's eve and new year's day off so i don't go back till wednesday and then awesome. everyone will come in on that wednesday and it will be the worst work day that you have ever seen everyone will be completely silent and upset <laughs> That's what I predict. <laughs> There'll be a lot of people burning their vacation. They just got back. <laughs> yeah. That always happens. They're like, fuck, going back. I'll take the rest of the week off. <laughs> uh, All right. How about you guys on. say we move on to some anime talk? Go for it, cat. All right. Girl in Twilight, episode 10. Liar's party. Woo woo. Okay. <laughs> So, in this episode, our favorite girls also had a party. Not as not as fun of a party, though. There was no alcohol involved. Um, so, <laughs> so the, um, the episode starts with ser- like them coming back from Sirius because Fragment. So, we find out that they can't go back because they try and they can't get it to go. And they're like, fuck! And Asuka's like freaking out, and she's like, "The fragment's gone. What? What does that mean? Why can't we freaking go back?" And Arrow Yu shows up and is like, "Listen, Asuka, like Siriska would have wanted you to have her locket. Like Siriska's gone, and like hugs her. And and I just thought to myself, like, off screen death. No, mm-hmm. anime has taught me not to to trust this. So." I, I kind of want to believe she's dead, though, because, like, mm. I feel like it's better if she is, because then that really gives, like, this Asuka the motivation to do what she needs to do and, like, continue on, like, because, like, she is Asuka, right? Like, yes, that was another Asuka from another timeline, but, like, we 
can see her influence on the current Asuka. So, like, this is a weird situation where, like, I wouldn't feel, like, bad if the other Asuka had, like, passed away. Like, because, like, we have this Asuka who is, like, a main character who it kind of simplifies things. Like, as, as, like, ruthless as that is to say. (laughs) It kind of simplifies things. Oh, my God. I don't know. Like, it just... It feels like, honestly, I sometimes wish that the real Asuka died and that Siriuska, like, took over her place (laughs) in this world. Mm Because I get really irritated with Asuka, especially this episode. Um, Okay. But yeah, anyway, so the midterms are apparently over, um, and Asuka hasn't shown up to school that whole week because she's, like, sad about... Sirius dying, and then suddenly Asuka comes out, like, on the roof, dancing to this fucking loud as shit music, like like an obnoxious <laughs> 12-year-old, and apparently Jeez. she she took the midterms all, like, today, all in one day, and she's acting, like, <laughs> Sounds dumb Sounds like Asuka to me. <laughs> no, she's acting dumb as shit, super cheerful, like, she has two brain cells in her head that she's rubbing together to be able to talk. Then she harasses the teacher... About how he's going to propose to his girlfriend, which, like, whoa, that's his business. And then, I don't know, she just continues to be just a giant tool. I don't know. She's obnoxious. She's just putting, she's putting on a front. Like, she's acting yeah. ridiculous. She is acting. Like, it's pretty obvious that she's trying to act for, like, oh, I'm so cheerful, even though my friend just died. Tee hee hee. But, like, it really just makes you want to slap her upside the face because it's obnoxious. Yeah. And it's obviously fake. Um, Asuka, okay, so at this point, Asuka's very adamant that they need to keep fighting clutters, like Siriska was doing before she died, and the others, like, agree, but, like, there's not a lot of enthusiasm in how they agree, and it makes me think, like, they weren't gonna do it if she didn't suggest that they do it. I don't think they were planning on doing it. And so I'm kind of like, why would you agree to do something that risks your life and, like... Like on a whim, <laughs> like you, you, you would think you'd have to be pretty adamant about wanting to do. I don't know. It feels weird to me that they're like, "Well, I guess we'll do this, even though it's going to take up a large amount of our life and could lead to us dying in a terrible way." <laughs> but since you suggested it to us in passing, we'll definitely do this. Like it just feels weird to me. Yeah, I feel like the experiences they've had in the alternate timelines like have informed their desire to go do it. But is it really their desire to go do it if they weren't going to do it on their own? I'm just saying. <laughs> like That's a good question. There's yeah, not a lot fair. of motivation here I'm feeling from the other people. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, well, I I also felt like they felt kind of obliged they needed to. I mean, they have this power and then you know, this threat is out there and what's stopping it from coming to them. So maybe they should or not. Yeah. Like they saw another world get like eaten away by the twilight. And there's no reason it couldn't happen to their own world. Right. And also it looks like it is going to start happening. So they're well, going to be forced into this no matter what. Different. I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. You, you remembers that Asuka was like this same fake happy type thing that she is now after she came back and her brother disappeared. And that was also when she started wanting to take over the miso shop. Like, you find out, like, originally she wanted to make chikwa. That, like, I don't know what that f- fucking thing is. It's like some sort of snack. Have it's we like ever- salted fish paste or something. Uh, I'll look it up. 
Yeah, because we need to look up what this is. Because, like, if she was going to have a Chikawa shop, like, we need to know what this Because, like, at one point, they make a Chikawa cake. And if it's salted fish paste, then that's fucked up. <laughs> and we need to know so that we can put her on blast. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. It's made from surimi, which is, like, a paste made from fish or other meats. And then, like, salt and sugar. Yeah, so it's like salted fish okay. paste. So I'm going to say right now, we haven't even gotten to the part in the story where she makes a chikawa <laughs> cake, but like, that's <laughs> fucking disgusting. And she deserves to be put in culinary hell for that. Shame yeah. on her. Gordon Ramsay should just scream at her in a kitchen for like five minutes, probably for that. Ain't nobody <laughs> she would got just time stare dumbly at him <laughs> to eat a fucking fish paste cake. No. <laughs> so anyway anyway oscar proposes doing like so she's she's wanting to make like this gross fish paste shit like come on between miso and fish paste tell me which one you want to fucking eat be calm miso definitely duh so like i'm glad that her fucking brother disappeared so she had some sense knocked into that tiny little brain of hers i don't care why she wanted to make chikawa it's disgusting Anyway, she proposes doing a Christmas party, and she makes this fucking chikawa cake, and they all eat it like fucking dumbasses to make her happy. Well, no, it was a real cake. They said she she was she was like, I want to eat it, make it out of real chikawa, but I didn't. They didn't have like the ingredients or something, so oh. I just made a real cake. Well, that's yeah. well, good. Like once again, yeah, good. Faith, exactly. Faith <laughs> that's why they're like so relieved. her. Thank God. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Meanwhile, the creepy version of Asuka's brother, like, arrives sinisterly, like, into their universe, and you're like, oh, fuck, this is that time where shit's gonna go down. Um, One of the street kids comes to the shop while they're having the Christmas party, and he's dressed, like, really fancy, and seems to be kind of trying to adjust to their world with his mom and dad. Um, And at one point, they all, like, all the girls dress up as reindeer, and I'm like, why do they always have them dress in weird costumes? Um, and then so this this the show does bring this up, but I before it did, I was like thinking this is so morally fucked up that Twilight uh, Takumi is replacing regular Takumi, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the he he basically erased the other dude from existence uh, since he can't go back to uh, the Twilight world, and <laughs> like I want to say taking over somebody's life to defeat some clutter for a week is like one thing, and I believe acceptable since it's kind of a necessary, but like. It's just crazy, and like Twilight, Sirius got like made this decision. I don't know what she was thinking. It's it's just fucked up. <laughs> it's a little fucked up for well, sure. Well, didn't yeah. she yeah. say? Yeah, I guess that it is fucked. Up. It's probably like, well, but I know this person, so they're more important to me than the person I don't know. It's like the idea <laughs> where, like, if you had like one of your friends, and you knew by doing something that someone you didn't know would die, but your friend would survive, like you'd probably do it. It's probably right. like that. Um, oh, yeah. There's a paradox specifically about that. I can't. Just go ahead. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, if you wanted to debate paradoxes, we can we can sit here all day. No, Let's not do that. No, okay. <laughs> <Go ahead. laughs> because like I'm gonna stop you there. Anyway, Asuka tells like Takumi at one point that he should like make a wish. And he ends up using the wish, and he's like, oh, I wish that Siriska would, would, like, live and come back. And Asuka's like, fuck! And has that look in her head where she's like, flashback. 
to terrible memories and like you know it's like okay yeah you know you're you're feeling it and then suddenly Asuka suddenly proclaims excitedly that Siriska is probably fine and it's gonna show up any day now because she loves the miso here and she'll definitely come back and then later after the party is over you is like you shouldn't have said that Asuka like that's fucked up and, like, you gave him false hope, and you know she's not coming back, because she's fucking dead. And Asuka's like, well, you don't know. She could be alive. And you's like, well, but Arrow, you said she saw Sirius, Sirius could die. And Asuka's like, well, maybe Arrow, you's lying. And you is offended by this. And basically is like, if anyone's a liar, it's you, Asuka, because, like, you fucking lied to that kid. And Asuka's like, yeah, I'm a liar. And I just reminded of that, like, country song. Like, yeah, I'm a liar. You know the one I'm talking about? I don't listen to country. Definitely not. I don't listen to country music. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, Well, I live in Indiana, so I've listened to my share of country. Anyway. (laughs) And she claims, like, you all think I'm coasting through life and taking it easy since my brother died. But, like, I'm not taking it easy. And, you know, I sometimes say things that come from my heart. And you's like, I've never fucking heard you say shit that comes from your heart. You're not genuine in any way. And, like, that's a shot. Like, to tell someone they're never genuine in their life. Like, oh, that's tough. And Asuka basically turns into, like, um, Chick, uh, Chick Sasuke or, like, Chic Sasuke at this point. <laughs> And it's like <laughs> another Sasuke reference. God I'm just damn it. saying, dude. I told <laughs> you, Cat loves her Naruto. It's insane. Like character, or like an emo character in an anime. I'm immediately like thinking Sasuke references, and she, <laughs> and she's just like, "There's no point in me saying anything." Then, and then just like dramatically walks out. Like, like she should, she should have like uh, the arm warmers on and like the goth pants on at this point because that's what she's acting like. Um. <laughs> And Nana basically says they just have to try a different way to, like, talk to her. And meanwhile, Asuka is, like, sitting on the swings on the way home. And she's thinking back to a day where, like, I guess her and her brother, like, were out. And she was using the swing. And her brother's like, oh, we need to go home soon. Because apparently he was always more mature than her. Even though he's the fucking younger brother. Which is sad. And says <laughs> a lot, honestly. Um... <laughs> And you explains in the background as this like flashback is going on that Asuka like looked away for a second and her brother just disappeared. And of course Asuka feels responsible, like no duh that you would feel that way, even if it's not your fault. And all of a sudden Asuka's like thinks she sees her brother Kyo. And so she runs after the figure. And at the same time at the shop, Mia urges the others that they should all try to find Asuka and, like, talk to her. And they all run towards the park while she runs towards the ocean. So Asuka goes to the ocean and she sees this figure and she imagine like, imagines, like, oh, maybe Kyo got swept away by the ocean that day. And then suddenly, like, this figure comes out on the beach and, like, she's like, oh, Kyo, it's you! And the figure's like, no, I'm not the king of Twilight and I'm not Kyo. 
I'm the emissary of Twilight, and she like pulls back her hood, and you find out it's like another version of Asuka, not Kyo, but like a younger Is that what it version was? of Asuka. Yeah, it was Asuka. Yeah, but it's I was like so Asuka confused. as a little kid. It's like, um, yeah, yeah. So that's weird. so like I don't know if the emissary is the emissary the one who was in the hood last episode in Twilight well, Asuka's the same, world. Same get up. Yeah, so I think, so yeah, we, I guess we were wrong about who that was. Like, I remember thinking, like, when we got, like, a brief look at that, like, kid's face, I was like, I, their eyes are drawn, like, a little girly, but I still think, like, I went and compared that with Kyo's face, and I was like, no, nah, I think that matches up, but, like, I guess it was, like, you know, I mean, they're brother and sister, they're drawn to look very similar to each other, so, so they tricked us. Yeah, so if it's just a young version of Asuka, where the fuck did Kyo go then? Well, but she what? said that she's the emissary of Twilight, so, like, probably yeah, the brother is the still king. the king, yeah. but, Jesus. like, Asuka is, like, his little bitch girl to, like, go do things for him, basically. <laughs> I'm in that very universe. curious what the point of this emissary is at all. Yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what that's about. I also thought it was kind of weird this episode that like Asuka is all of a sudden like not facing her problems like head on like like throughout this whole show she's been like so proactive about like fixing everything and like I guess it's just when it comes to her own issues and her own problems that she can't be direct and straightforward. Yeah, I don't know. I don't it just felt a little it. out they, of character. They completely changed her character in my opinion. Like they all yeah. of a sudden were like, "Hello, darkness, my old friend." <laughs> like it was dumb. Serious gut and Garfunkel. Yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah I didn't love it. Um, yeah, fucking yeah. weird episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. Speaking of fucking weird episodes. You ready for oh, boy, Golden Moon go. second season? Yeah. <laughs> On the night of the new moon. Uh, so yeah, this episode opens with the scene of a Serpa who's imagining Hoochie singing in this wheat field as she's like harvesting grain. Um, but then quickly moves to a Serpa telling Sugimoto, you should eat more kiwi berries that are called Kuchi, apparently, in Ainu, because they'll make your asshole itch. So I was like, oh, okay, it's Golden Kamui again. Well, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, and then he starts eating his, a whole bunch. I know, I'm like, <laughs> why do they want his asshole to itch? What the fuck is this? What is this kinky <laughs> shit? It's weird. I, it is weird. That's not I a guess, normal response. I, I really want my ass to itch tonight. That sounds like a fun time. <laughs> there, is, there is nothing worse being in like a business or a group saying and your asshole starts the itch. Because it is one of those itches you you it's so fucking hard to ignore <laughs> well uh the good news is that sugimoto has like an orgy of other guys who can help him with that itch in various Ooh, yeah, ways yeah so. they, they can scratch Yikes. it in, in certain ways <laughs> meanwhile the gang have finally reached abashiri prison uh but Asirpa, upon getting there is like really fearful now that she's come this far to find the truth out about noparabo and her father uh but since it's salmon spawning season uh, Sugimoto Tanagaki and Kiraraki are all able to like, bribe some of the prison guards uh, with like salmon to like allow them to build this makeshift hut right next to the walls of the prison uh, which is right adjacent to this river that they're fishing at and so they use this hut to obscure the tunnel they're building to get into the prison grounds. I would, I would like to say terrible idea to build your prison right next to a river that <laughs> floods you yes. know like rivers do <laughs> they do have must, a wall at that least, must but, yeah. be one hell of a wall they got around that place yeah yeah <laughs> um 
So yeah, they used the hut to obscure that tunnel. And then back at the lo- local Ainu village, we get a brief funny scene of a Serpa showing everyone how to make cheetah top from salmon parts. And Chikapasi asks if he can use like a samurai sword to chop up the fish. And Toshizo like thinks about it for a second. Hilarious. He's like, yes. And you see like Hijikata like helping him like chop like this fish <laughs> with like a samurai funny. sword. <laughs> I liked that. Asirpa even like guilts Ogata into finally saying the word Chitatap just once, which was like amazing. He's uh, like, he's like, Chitatap. <laughs> and she's like, did you hear it? He said it. Um, and so they eat this whole feast of like salmon roe over rice and salmon roe with crushed potatoes and which, like some salmon not, skewers. Yeah, let's be honest, crushed potatoes is mashed potatoes. It's it's like uh, <laughs> caviar and mashed potatoes. That's what this is. It's like, no, no, cat. You see, you crushed them, though. <laughs> it's no, so much it's, different from mashing. It's fucking the same. Have you ever mashed potatoes? It's the same. Maybe they're yeah, a little more Yeah, but have you ever lumpy. crushed potatoes? <laughs> I'm just saying, now I'm interested, and I want to see what mashed potatoes and caviar taste like. Because... I mean... Like really, good. Wants his, really wants his crushed potatoes oh, oh, with peas yeah. in and mixed in it. Baby. Oh, so good. <laughs> Not peas. These are just like salmon Not peas, too. Peas. Like, oh. No. Like, I will say caviar is fun when it pops in your mouth sometimes when you're eating it, like boba. Mm. Like, you know how when you're eating like oh, yeah. something with boba in it, like the liquid boba, and it like pops? Sure. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I've never had either. But more mm-hmm. savory. Yeah. Boba fat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People get that joke. Uh, <laughs> Ushiyama tries to hit on Inkerma during their meal, but Shikapasi interrupts by giving half of Tanagaki's rice bowl to her, which Asirpa says is basically part of an Ainu betrothal. Basically, like the woman mm-hmm. comes, like she cooks like a meal. The guy eats half of it, and then he gives the other half to the woman. And if she finishes it, then they are betrothed to be married, which is like, wow, that was real easy. <laughs> like, that takes like the the way to a man's heart is like through his stomach to a whole new level. <laughs> also, probably if that was like a choice between that and getting a girl a ring, like we all know which would immediately become the one that, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah seriously, like that Rings would be, be uh, much easier. Y'all. Like, you, you mean I could have gotten out of this all along with a bowl of rice? <laughs> yes. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so Tanagaki, though, he like shuts it down and he takes back the bowl and then walks outside the like tent and like Inkermot follows him. And Tanagaki basically confronts her saying, like, I know that part of your hopes are that like Noparabo really is Wilk. And I, I think he thinks that, like, she's in love with Wilk. And so Inkermot tells I mean, him, like, she, no. She yeah. is. She is, but yeah, it's, like, a different is. kind of love, I think. I think. Uh, it, like, no. like a f- she used to be, like, full-on balls deep in love with Wilk. Let's be real. She's right, just. Like, it's just been yeah. a while. It's like, it's like if you were to talk to someone who was, like, my ex or something. Even though they never really dated. But, like, it's similar. Yeah. Uh. Inkermot tells Tanagaki that he changed her fate when he uh, saved her from dying in that lake uh, when she was supposed to. And so she feels this changes her fortune that like uh, her own death would prevent her from meeting Wilk again. So now she thinks there is a chance she'll see him. But importantly, she says that she's not in love with Wilk anymore. She just wants to get over her past and move forward to a future with Tanagaki. 
And so he responds that he's still focused on bringing the Serpa back to Hoochie, but once that's done, he'll give her that, like, half-eaten bowl of food once more. And, like, yeah. They'll okay, get but married. you know, now that he's made this promise, like, oh, in yeah, every movie. Oh, yeah, she's dead fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's what I immediately <laughs> thought. I was like, oh, shit, he's made the promise. Now he has to die. That is the, like, Oh, law. him? Oh, I thought he, I thought she's going to die. No, <laughs> it's, you, it's going to be him. Right. He, the one yeah. who makes the promise is the one who dies. Actually, like, he'll die saving her, most likely. Yeah. Honestly. So yeah. that she can go, no, all dramatically. <laughs> That's exactly what's going to happen. And then she can, like, drop that little, like, animal skull on his head and be like, oh, yeah, he's dead. My fortune <laughs> says he's dead. <laughs> the fortune that 50 <laughs> times out of 100, like, yeah, yeah no, that was so dumb. Uh, you can talk about so that next. Fit- <laughs> They finish building that tunnel the exact distance Hijikata told them to, and they end up right in the middle of uh, Chief Katakura's quarters, who turns out the chief is on their side because his father fought with Hijikata. And so the the chief tells them the cell Noparabu will be moved to next, and then makes plans to get a a serpa to him. And uh, Ogata is also caught eavesdropping on this planning conversation, but like asks them, like, well, do any of you really trust each other either? Like when they confront him about it and then you like kind of like sneakily like climbs back down into the like the tunnel. <laughs> so everything's yeah, him, set. Him creeping was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I liked that. Everything's set up and the squad rolls out on this dark moonless night for their sneaking mission. And uh, Angie Tony is helping them since you remember at the very end of last episode, like he's friends with Hijikata. So he's like on their side now, the weird deaf guy. Sorry, wait, deaf? No, blind guy. I keep getting that mixed up. I'm really bad about that. Sorry. Blind and deaf? Really? He's Helen <laughs> oh, Keller yeah. now. Uh, he, Shiraishi, Sugimoto, and Aserpa are the infiltration team. Ogata is like out in the forest. He's going to be a sniper standing by, and everybody else is just like standing by. Um, the prison block is laid out in a fan that radiates out from a central watchtower, and their only way in is this like window on top of the building since all the other windows are barred. And they basically saw their way into the top, uh, which is kind of noisy. But Chief Katakura covers for them by breaking his teacup and distracting the other guards. Um, they lower themselves down by rope, and Shiraishi picks the lock on cell number 66, where Noparabu is supposed to be. Uh, strangely, Hijikata has gone missing from the lodge where the others are. Um, and Aserpa greets the prisoner and asks, like, are you my father? Or, like, are you my Acha? And he stays silent, and then Shiraishi lights a match, and then he starts just screaming bloody murder, this prisoner. He's fucking weird, he has no face. He's got no face. Why are you screaming? Like, why aren't why aren't they screaming? I don't understand. Because I just kept thinking, like, well, surely the prisoner wants to escape. Like, why are you screaming? Uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It, it it is weird, um, like I, I don't know, like it's he's just clearly been tortured or something. I don't know. This guy is not does not have it all together. But it's also really quick, clear, like when the camera fast cuts between Asirpa and this prisoner's eyes, like a bunch of times. Oh, this guy is definitely not Wilk because he does not have those like clear blue eyes that Asirpa has. Um, and so they figure that out. But then the alarms have gone off because, obviously, this guy's screaming. And <laughs> But luckily, they had Katakura on the inside, so he jammed the rifles of the other guards uh, so they can't shoot. Uh, Asirpa gets out by like going back up through the roof, but Sugimoto is stuck inside. 
Uh, Angie Tony, who had lifted her up on the roof, though, seems to be on this side of this faction that seems to have set this stuff up because he's like, oh, I'll take you to the real Noparabo now, Asirpa. He's clearly under instructions from Hijikata, who it's becoming clear has kind of double-crossed everyone. Um, Shiraishi and Sugimoto figure out this fake Noparabo must be a double and isn't working with Kira Ranke because he's not... He doesn't recognize Kiriranke's name. Again, it was like Hijikata who set this up, I'm sure. Inkermot tells Tanagaki to run. She's in on it too, it seems like, but is like looking out for Tanagaki specifically, like saying like, you go to this town. I told them like you would send like a fake telegram, like from a fake name. And then, however, I think something Hijikata did not plan for is that the seventh then arrived by boat. Shit. (laughs) Like a fleet of like small naval destroyers uh, led by Koito's father, who's a rear admiral. And so Surumi orders them capture Noparabo and capture Asirpa. This is going to turn into a full-on fucking battle now. <laughs> it's going to be pretty ridiculous, yes. It should be. Yeah. Uh, I'm pretty excited. It, it should be interesting. Yeah, at the end of this episode, I was like, oh my god, the next two episodes, I think, are just going to be batshit crazy now. <laughs> yeah, did, did we absolutely. Talk, did we talk about how they t- said that the faceless guy was a double? Yeah, 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 for sure. He's okay. he's definitely not Noparabo. He's a double, probably planted there by Hijikata, who seems to have like double crossed everybody. So imagine if someone was like, "Hey, I know you've been locked up for the rest of your life. That that sucks for you, but we're gonna cut your face off now, <laughs> so that you well, can let's... be a double." <laughs> I would imagine that. His face was probably already no, like this when they chose the, him to be you a know double. The odds that someone they found another guy whose face had been cut off. You know they cut his face off. I think but, the warden has been using him as a body double for like a long time, but Hijikata figured that out. Yeah. I think that's what happened. I think that's what happened too. Like I also uh. wonder if Noparabo's real face is actually like this. Hmm. Or or if they've just been saying like, oh no, this guy's Noparabo because they found a guy with like no face and they were like, Oh, we can pretend this is Noparabo. Uh as like a oh. distraction. That's not as fun know. though, because I was just imagining someone being like, Guess what? It's your lucky day. <laughs> well, I'm sure we're gonna find out next time. So <laughs> It's yeah. exciting. It's really uh, coming to a conclusion now. It's pretty cool. It, it mm-hmm. is exciting. Speaking about coming to a conclusion, the Ex- next show never speaking will. Speaking about what's not exciting. Run with the winds. <laughs> Woo! Uh, this, is ex- this was a good episode. I don't care what y'all say. This was a good episode. I agree. They this was pretty tried good. tried to destroy Hana. She's no, the only good thing about this show. They just have like, ridiculous ideas of what waifus are. <laughs> She can't cook anymore, so she's not a waifu. I was like, shut up, Leo. You know what? Like, I don't. I don't think all women should have to do be the best cooks ever to be good waifus. They can be good at other fucking things. And I was so- exactly. referring to myself. I believe there's a ton of people out there that like feel like her waifu material got hurt for cooking. If you look at my notes, I say it's okay. I can cook. I can let well, that one go. Those people this out show there who think that need to suck it the fuck up. Take a look at their life, reevaluate their situation, and decide if they want to live the rest of their life alone or whether they're going to accept them. Also, clearly the problem is nobody in her life has the balls to tell her that she can't cook. That is true. Like, her her parents, like, sit there and eat it and cry. Like, that's She said her dad cries every time he eats it. Like, they they should tell her. I do 
agree with that. Like you gotta you gotta be harsh but true. Like be like, listen, girl, we love you, but your your cooking sucks balls. Like, please never cook for anyone again. That's what they should have said. <laughs> so yeah, th- this episode opens up with a doctor at the dorm. Because if you remember, Haiji passed out at the end of last episode. And he's got Haiji's shirt pulled up. And he's listening to his chest with a stethoscope. So brace yourselves. We're going to get the big diagnosis. More soap opera drama, basically. (laughs) And he's just overworked. Well, no shit he's overworked. He overworked himself (laughs) along with everybody else. Uh, But apparently he had an anemia attack. You know how a lot of soap operas have like their own drama music that they use specifically for that show? Oh, yeah. Like, da 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 Does anyone else think that this show needs its own drama music? I mean, it might, the rate it's going. <laughs> it probably should have it. Uh, I did pull up the As the World Turns opening over the weekend, just to look, look at that. We should start <laughs> we playing that every time that something dramatic happens. Like, we should pause and in the background, just have that play for a second. As the World Turns. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love how you guys are smashing into this show and you chose it. I mean, I'll, I'll always point out a show's flaws. I still like the show. I just know it yeah. has flaws and I'll admit to them. Uh, Kakuru and Prince are quick to blame themselves for stressing out Haiji, but like Akihiro wisely tells them, you know, it's everyone's fault. It's not just your fault. We all weren't looking out for him. And they also, like, everybody starts to realize, like, how much shit Haiji was really doing for them. Like, he was cleaning, he was cooking, he was planning the races, doing all the paperwork. And they're all like, wow, we uh, really need to pick up some of this slack. Um, and then a day later, they give up and Haiji's back to doing it all again. Yes, that is also the true. fuck show? <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's also this small dramatic scene with Prince and Kakaru where Akihiro tries to get them to sort of, like, reconcile their differences. And the way he does it is by kind of, like treating it like Haiji is dead and they have to like like they've in, he's entrusted the club to them and like I think this causes them to both band together like they're both like that's ridiculous and they they're talking at the same time um the next day the other members of the team ask Akihiro to become the temporary captain since Haiji's like out of commission because he's the oldest but he turns them down and then Yuki turns them down and then one of the twins looks at Prince and he goes Daga Kotowaru which is the I refuse thing from uh, Kishibi Rohan from JoJo's Diamond is Unbreakable. Uh, he's like, don't you know, uh, don't you know about Daga Kotowaru? But uh, they don't. <laughs> but uh, long story short, I thought Leo would recognize that, by the way. But apparently uh, Leo is a fake JoJo fan who didn't realize it. Oh, it's hard to pay. It's hard to pay attention to this show, dude. Oh, it's hard to pay attention <laughs> to even BCom talking about this show. Is that what you're saying? That too. <laughs> Long story short, everyone refuses except for Kakaru, who says he wouldn't mind, but he won't be gentle either. Well, but like, uh, don't, don't so, they not even ask him though? Like, it's almost like they no, they, they just do don't, a thing. I don't. I they just kind of look it. at him because he's like the last person. I, think. I, I kind of like know. remember it as like they're all sort of standing around, like, oh, everyone said no, and then like he speaks up and is like, maybe I could do it. <laughs> Like, they all yeah. had such little faith in Kakaru that they were like, we know better than to even ask. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then Kakaru's so, like, but maybe I'll help. <laughs> like, from the yeah. background. <laughs> he immediately steps into Haiji's role of, like, running alongside Prince instead of, like, taking it at his own pace. This is so fucking cheesy. And he hounds him, like, real hard. Like, 
Like, even when they get back into, the, like, the dorm, he hounds them, like, stop, like, reading your comics before you, like, change out of your sweaty-ass clothes. And Prince is like, well, my comics are fresh. And he's just like, what? So, but, like, yeah. And then there's there's this weird part where Prince says, like, you sh- if, you, if you could run so fast, you should try talking at my speed sometime. And I don't think that really worked because Prince doesn't talk fast ever in this show. Like, when has Prince ever said something quickly? Never. I thought that should have been like try reading at my speed. Yeah. Like that would have made a ton of sense to me, especially because later in the episode they start reading together and they're going like in sync. Like, yeah, I don't know. That yeah. was really weird. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jota and Joji are like struggling with basic cooking and Hana come like shows up because she heard that Haiji collapsed and she brings some of the vegetables from her store and she helps out except not really because her cooking is awful. Like we said, and no. it literally turns Musa into a zombie. And the other guys are like running for the bathroom. She's supposed uh, to be an infallible angel. <laughs> no she one is. is an infallible angel, Leo. I hate Except to tell for you. Francine from uh, Caracurri no, Circus. She's an infallible bitch, angel. There, there, she <laughs> Look, also there was is nothing wrong. an infallible <laughs> angel, as we will discuss. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, Kakru and Prince, though, actually think her food is totally fine because they just don't care. Um, and Hana, like we said, said her food is usually good. Her father cries every time he eats it. And of course, those are tears of sadness, not joy. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, the guys had locked Haiji in his room so he could recuperate, but failed to realize his room had a freaking first story window. Uh, so Kakru finds Haiji at the doctor's office, like thanking the doctor who had made a home visit to take care of him. And they get to talking and Kakru basically says like, you know, I finally looked at Prince's running form for the first time and I saw that it needs correction. And like, I no, like, like really for the first time you like actually just noticed. And so it says like, maybe you should turn around and look at the people running behind you to see how they're running and like where they're running kind of thing. And so that night Haiji is back in form and cooks the team like an immaculate meal and Kakaru also, like, reaches out to Prince by going to his room to, like, read some manga. And Kakaru's, like, watching him on the treadmill and then comes to this epiphany. He's like, wait, if I just hold manga, which I totally think we thought of this, like, weeks ago. If we just hold the manga in front of his face, he'll, like, run better, right? Like, he'll run with perfect form. So they, he starts doing this, like, running in front of Prince backwards. With Prince coming uh, behind him. Which is so fucking dangerous. And and then he's like, turn the pages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's so dumb. We get this, this whole montage, right, of him fixing his form. Of cheesiness yet. <laughs> well, yeah, like, well, then, like, the rest of the team, like, looks at him, like, running one day out in that field. And they're like, why is he not, like, move his arms? And then Kaku's like, oh, I get it. His arms are always in the reading position. It's like he's turning pages and reading a manga. That's why he's holding them up the whole time. And so he goes and gives him like a couple of manga volumes to hold in each arm so he can like swing them back and forth like a normal human being. And that's how like they fix the rest of his form. And it's like, oh my God, ridiculous. (laughs) But yeah, we get a montage of them like getting in sync with each other. We see like Kakaru reading manga like at the same speed as Prince and all this stuff. And that transitions into their next track meet. And so Kakaru and Prince are running and Kakaru's on like a really fast pace. He's on pace to break 1430. However, he slows down on the last lap when he sees Prince 
And he slows down to like get him pumped up and say like face forward, like oh you my can do this. God, this had me gagging so hard. Why? It's so stupid and cheesy and so out of character for Kakaru. Uh, no, it's in character for this Kakaru. Oh. <laughs> oh, for this Kakaru. He cares about Prince. Like that he's realized that the team comes before running. Like that's what that's the whole point of this. He realizes something is more important than just getting the fastest time. Cause like if he gets the fastest time, it doesn't matter. What matters is that like everybody on their team is fast enough to go on the Hakone Etiquette. So I still th- I think really what it's about is that he's gotten into the idea that he can fix this and like anyone who's a little O C D, like now he's invested and he wants to fully fix what is wrong with Prince's running form. I don't necessarily yeah. think he's at the point yet where he's like I'm going to make Prince actually be able to run in the Hakone. I don't think he's quite there yet, but he is like right. supporting more now. Yeah. And yeah, like, yeah. Just yeah. another episode as the wind blows. And yeah, we as got like some blows. improvement from Prince because he actually did get a time under 30 minutes for the first time. They like toss him up in the air. It's kind of fun. The shot where like they toss him and his face is like, oh God, I'm a dead fish and I'm terrified as like he's falling is hilarious. <laughs> that is a good shot oh yeah I liked it um, so that's good to see uh, I, yeah I still have doubts that Prince can improve enough to actually run with them but we'll see yeah uh, I gotta get you know, this off my chest what? there's been oh, a very go. this season of very high, high I feel like a high amount of people passing out and this is <laughs> this is in this is in like all kinds of anime. So like I personally have only known one person my entire life that resulted in like fainting from anemia or sudden blood loss. So that that's once in 32 years. But anime wants me to believe that on like a daily basis, I would witness one person fainting. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to say then- I have passed out before. It does happen. Well, like people yeah. do pass out. Yeah, I've but, actually never passed out. Leo, have you ever passed out? No. Yeah, it it's feels interesting. very weird. It feels like waking yeah, and up then from like a dream. There's like so many anime where like the girls get weak and then they go to the uh, nurse's office or they wake up in the nurse's office. I'm like, how often does this happen? And it made me think of no wonder I want me as a running gag in all of anime. It's because their iron levels are low as shit. I do think it's <laughs> yeah. bullshit that every time someone is sick in an anime, it's always fucking anemia. Why is it always anemia? You have to admit that is bullshit. Not very yeah, many I mean, people get anemia. Could you imagine what blood drives are like? Blood drive donations? I mean, I bet it's just like a fucking <laughs> sight to behold. It would just be rows of people passed out on gurneys. <laughs> oh, man. It would look like that basement scene from Kyra Curry, so you know, with the children you, laid out. Okay, I just thought of this. Do you think that more people in Japan have anemia because there's not as much meat being eaten in their diet? You know, since it's so yeah. prevalent in be. anime, I bet there's some kind of certain a little bit of truth to that well because one of yeah, my it best might be over exaggerated but yeah one of my best friends <laughs> yeah. is vegan right and like the but she's not like morally vegan she's like health conscious vegan and a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago mm-hmm. she had to actually stop being vegan for a while because her doctor told her she was getting anemic so like yeah maybe you have to properly supplement with like iron or and, and other supplements you, you can't mm-hmm. you have to be smart when you're vegan you can't just like not eat everything that you, you're not supposed to eat like yeah i don't know 
Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I'm not passing out anytime soon because when I do donate blood, they take double red blood platelets. So I'm good. I eat a lot of meat. Uh, <laughs> and then it just got me thinking, like, the Japanese would be the first to go into, like, a zombie apocalypse. They would all sprint a block and then pass out. You don't even need the fast zombie to slow no, them to do like, perfectly fine. No, like, it would fine. start raining and they would all just one by one pass out like in bunny in the bunny show like it would start raining from the sky and then you just see people in the street like passing out one by one yeah, sometimes <laughs> i just imagine like a rain like a typhoon in japan like and just people running and screaming to like avoid the rain like, like oh the hospitals god, are full we'll die if it touches us Oh, my God. Uh, so speaking anyways, of that bunny show, yeah, though. Speaking of people who pass out after a little exertion, uh, how about that next show, Kat? All <laughs> yeah. right. So we got so we got Bunny, Bunny uh, Kuhn. I, I refuse to say the whole name of this fucking anime. It's dumb. Um, <laughs> episode 10, Complex Congrats. So the first shot is of Nodoka seeing Mai on TV when they're both really young. And, like, the younger Nodoka is thinking, like, if I work hard, maybe I'll get to meet my big sister one day. And then, meanwhile, Sakuta is, like, looking into this tin in the cabinet and exclaims, like, out loud. Like, they don't show us what's inside, but he basically says, like, I wish they would just make up already. Which makes you, like, you know they're going to show you later what's in this. Like, they're yeah, holding it back. Yeah, I think that back. definitely... Even mm-hmm. at that point, it confirmed for me that you guys were like right last week when you were like, uh, or I think Kat specifically said like, oh, she wants him to look in that cupboard. Like yeah. she knows that like what's in oh, that yeah, cupboard obviously. is the solution. Yeah. 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 So meanwhile, like Nodoka and Sakuta watch a horror movie together to help her get better at mimicking Mai. So I guess it's like a horror movie that Mai was in, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what I thought but I was like oh this is weird and that Nodoka asked Sakuta to stay afterwards while she takes a bath and I'm kind of like oh, oh yeah like what's happening here and Sakuta kind of oh, sidesteps yeah. this and is like I'm gonna go home and I'm like that's what right a bo- what a man what a man of honor that he actually did go home yeah I, I was like there you go you know a more appropriate title would be Rascal sits while girls bathe. <laughs> Pretty much. Because this keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, finally, he did something appropriate for once in his goddamn life. But anyway, um, <laughs> when he gets home, Saku- like Sakuta's sister Kaede has tried on her middle school uniform and is like, what do you think, Onichan? Am I hot? Wait, do can you- we... Can we talk about how she was like laying on the floor with just her head <laughs> like outside of the door jam, like uh, waiting for him to come home? <laughs> like it was the most ridiculous thing ever. Can you imagine coming home and just having like your little sister's head like peeking out of a door like, oh, Nichan. Hi. <laughs> so ridiculous. Loved it. I, I mean, after the shit she's gone through and her waking you up every morning. I don't think I would be too surprised at well, that. I, mean, I, I think like I would be more surprised just... that I wake up with like her half naked clinging to me. I don't think this in particular would be yeah, what surprises yeah, that's what I mean. me. After all that shit, you come home to this, you would just be like, what are you doing now? Yeah, I'd be like, <laughs> well, like, that would I be your reaction. fucking insane, so whatever you want to do. I love you anyway, crazy person. That's pretty much what Sokka was thinking. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. but then but she's like what do you think Onichan do you think I look good in the uniform and Sakuta's like don't push yourself too hard and then 
I guess, like, he, she's asking if he thinks she's ready to go back to school, and he's like, maybe not yet, because you're still doing things like waking me up half naked in my bed in the morning. <laughs> um, <laughs> then Mai comes in and gives Kaede a souvenir, and then she gives uh, tickets to Nodoka's live event to Sakuta and tells him to come with Nodoka. So, basically, Nodoka is going to watch Mai pretend to be her with Sakuta. Yeah. And then she also invited Nodoka's mom, which I feel like might go badly, but then it doesn't. Well, you'll see. And then um, later in the episode, Nodoka recalls when she met Mai for the first time and how awesome Mai was. Um, and then Nodoka says, like, even though I can't be like my sister, I still want to keep doing my work because I enjoy it, which is a good step. You see her, like, coming closer to the what needs to happen. Um mm-hmm. And at one point, Sakuta talks to Nodoka about, like, the whole situation with Kaede and his parents and, like, why they live apart again. Like, how his mom can't handle Kaede and so they live, like, separately. That's pretty fucked up. And, yeah, and, like, he says he doesn't hate them and, like, doesn't have emotions towards them for what, like... The well, situation he, says he doesn't is. have a grudge because they're his parents, but like when she asks him how he feels towards his parents, like she says, like, do you hate them? Do you love them? Do you or do they annoy you? Like something like that. He's like, yes, because like all of those things he feels, but he also doesn't hold a grudge. I guess, but I don't just know. kind like, of nice. I don't think that's. I feel like you would hold a grudge. I would definitely. Yeah. So, I mean, that but might Sakata be a little bit of But is more perfect than I am. He's the most perfect boyfriend that ever existed, so he doesn't no, hold a grudge. No, he's fucking not, because <laughs> He's a fucking bitch! You did that just to piss me off. Mine oh, really? deserves oh, better. Oh, really? Mine deserves that? better than fucking Sakuta. She deserves a real man who won't fuck around. Anyway, suddenly... <laughs> Nodoka's mom runs up to them and is like, where is Nodoka? Because she thinks she's staying with Mai. And then she leaves after Mai's like, I don't know where the fuck she is. But like, really, it's Nodoka. She just doesn't know that. And then Sakuta meets up with his dad later. And this is the first time you see like either of Sakuta's parents, which was interesting. And he tells his <laughs> dad how Kaede is doing. And you can tell it's like a little bit awkward. Which it should fucking be. You're letting your yeah. son raise your other child while you hide cowardly in another house like fucking bitches. <laughs> and suddenly Sakata asks uh, his dad how it feels to be a parent. Which also I'm like, doesn't he, don't you already know? Because you're basically Kaede's parent. Yeah, yeah, right. um, yeah. And he's not being really much of a parent, so yeah. <laughs> this is not the guy to ask. Yeah. So his dad <laughs> freaks out at first because he thinks Sakura is like gonna have a baby, and I'm like, that would have been hilarious. But then he tells him <laughs> about how you like won't know until you become one, and everything feels uncertain and and hectic. And then he tells a story about like he changed so many diapers when Sakura was a baby. That like he passed out once by while changing a diaper, and I feel like this is probably something that like a lot of people do at some point when they have like especially their first kid. Oh yeah, because like especially when you're waking up all hours of the night and you're exhausted, I'm sure that's happened to people. Yeah. So, but it was funny. Um, 
but yeah, so then later at the live event, might as well as Nodica. There's like a un- like a lot of underwear jokes in this live event where they're like, hee hee, sometimes you tell talk about how your even your underwear is soaked and all, and I'm like, okay. That was so awkward. Like Dude, I deep, felt uncomfortable. Oh, that was the I'm weirdest. Like, I felt like that was like a parody <laughs> of like idol stuff though. Like oh, well, like I because like you know idols do that. Like they have that like stupid like section where they talk between songs and they they have like some stupid skit they do. And I actually thought this was like a really hilarious parody of that stuff. Where it's like, oh, we sweat so much, you like sweat right through your panties. Wait, idols don't wear panties. Like, I was like, oh yeah, this is exactly the level, <laughs> like <laughs> idol conversation on stage. Oh god, it's ridiculous. Oh man, <laughs> but yeah, so like, and then I was kind of annoyed because they went through like three different songs from Nodica's band, and I was kind of like, why are we like watching all of these? Like, I don't give a shit about these songs. Yeah, like, I didn't sign on for an idol anime. I know. But it was great. It, it was wasn't, so though, Become. I know you're fucking obsessed with idol anime. It was so much better than anime. Zombieland Saga in every fucking but way. But it wasn't well, great, Become. The, the only good idols are dead idols in my book. Yes. Okay? <laughs> all I'll say is, like, it was... It, was didn't, it wasn't relevant <laughs> to the main story. Okay, all I'm saying is I'm exaggerating, but uh, it was animated surprisingly well for a show that is not about idols. Like, the dancing was, like, pretty decent. There were some, like, jump cuts and stuff, but, like, uh, like yeah, obviously I'm not as invested idols. in these idols My as I am in the character. zombie girls. But. Eh, I mean, but, like, they're never going to play that again. It's never going to be relevant. That's all I'm, I just, I don't know. It's relevant um, to this episode. It's not it's relevant. Fine. Did watching yes, that is. song make you? Did it give you some like epiphany about the fucking? The point is no, how Nodica feels about seeing Mai perform as her. But they could and, have like, done the... that with like, one song. We didn't need three songs. <laughs> they threw three songs in because they were like, "Look at how sh- fucking amazingly we can animate idol shit." I don't when give idol a shows shit. Can't even do it I half don't the time. care. I don't care. I just want the main story to be covered. And to get on with the fucking plot, they still um, haven't. They still haven't talked about like I'm what's going on, on with, with Kaide. <laughs> they still haven't like ra- started to wrap this anime up. Like they have shit to do, and they're wasting time with fucking idol songs that we don't give they've a got, shit about. They've got like three episodes to do the whole final arc. <sighs> That's they're gonna fine. come before you know it, and you know how fast those endings come, and you also know how some anime like they drag their feet wrapping up the anime and then the ending sucks and i don't want this to happen with this anime sakatu's gonna he's gonna sakata sakatu (laughs) (laughs) he's gonna he's gonna wake up at the end and it's all gonna be one giant uh it was all a dream but but his sister's gonna wake up next (laughs) oh god God, no No, I was going to say it was his own, what are they fucking calling it, syndrome. Oh, his own. Oh, oh that's such a good, f- oh, that's you're so right. That's not a good anime. That's not a good anime. You're so right. That's would, exactly what it's going to be. I would smash something in my fucking house if that was the ending. They and then he's going to go talk it. to Fudaba and she's going to uh, be like, oh, it was a parallel universe caused by string theory. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, yes. Yes. I predicted it. I'm just saying it. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, you're so right. But yeah, at one point, one of like one of Nodoka's bandmates falls, and Mai like catches the mic, 
And this makes Nodoka once again be like, oh, she's amazing. I'll never be as good she's as her. She's so much and, better than me, yeah. Mm-hmm. And later it's announced that like uh, Nodoka is going to be the featured member of their new single. And Nodoka's like, oh, it's only because of my, I'm depressed. And then Nodoka sees her mom like praise Mai frantically after the show, thinking it's her. And Nodoka later is like, to Sakuta says like, I've never seen my mom be that happy in her entire life. And she's like depressed and hurt, thinking once again her sister's just better than her in every way. And I'm just like, listen, girl, just suck it up. Like I know it sucks, but like, come on, you you can. I I, I know, but come on. And, and um, Nodoka goes to the ocean on the way home and just walks into the ocean. Which has anyone ever succeeded in committing suicide this way? Yes. Because you see this yeah. in anime a lot where people are like, and then she walked into the sea. And I'm like, but does that actually work? I think it can work. Yeah. Oh, what was it? Oh, damn it. I don't remember if this is an anime or not. But there was the two old couple and they put a bunch of rocks in their pockets and walked out into the ocean. Oh, yeah. Well, but what am I thinking point, of, like, Beacon? Preservation is going <sighs> to take over and you're going to start struggling. I feel like it's there are easier ways to commit suicide. That's a good question, Leo. I know what you're talking about, but I don't know where it's from. Yeah. I can't remember what it's from either. <clears throat> I also think like drowning yourself is like one of the oh, hor- no, no, no. most it's horrible from that ways. Doll movie. Doll uh, movie. Like yeah. Chucky? <laughs> Brian no, of Chucky? it wasn't Chucky. It was the one... <sighs> there was doll just a doll movie. in the house, and the, the couple treated it as their son. No, and the no. couple treated it as their son, who had previously uh, died in a fire. Pinocchio? Oh, weird. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Pinocchio. No. Oh, man. Go uh, on. I'm going to try to figure this out. Oh, my weird. God. Okay. But all I'm saying is, if you really want to commit suicide, like, shoot yourself in the head or something. Don't walk into the ocean. That seems like a terrible way to commit suicide. Well, we don't suicide. have guns in Japan, so that's going to be hard. Oh, oh it, well. it was The Boy, 2016. Oh, what a memorable title. The Boy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, his parents, like, they went and committed suicide, and that's how they did it. Damn. Or, I don't know, jump off yeah. a bridge? There are lots of bridges in Japan. That's true. That's easier. Mm-hmm. You probably pass out before you get to the ground. Let's not give anyone great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway, he ge- he gives On her- this episode, no, 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 nonsense. We discussed the most easiest ways to commit suicide. Oh, no. Please don't do that. All I'm saying is this is a bad idea if she was serious. She was being dramatic, and she even knew it. Stop being right, a drama queen. <laughs> anyway, they go back to her house, like, and Sakura's all like, oh, I have to be protective of you because you did something dramatic. And, like, he gives her the tin back at her house, and it's full of letters that Nodoka wrote growing up to Mai. And Nodoka keeps saying that, like, Mai isn't real, like, really her sister because they found out, like, they don't have the same mom and she grew uneasy and thought she was being a nuisance to Mai and stopped writing her. And then Mai, like, dramatically walks in and is like, I was surprised and bewildered when I first met you, but your encouragement in these letters made me grew to love my job when I hadn't loved it before. And Nodoka's like, I'm j- I still feel a lot of jealousy towards you, and now I'm going to whine some more. And Mai gets pissed, but like slaps Sakuta instead of Nodoka, which was, uh, yes. I liked this a lot. I was like, he deserves it so many times. Like, good. <laughs> he deserves to I, get slapped. I, 
I wasn't completely accurate about what was in there. I'd originally said, oh, she's actually a fan of hers. Mm-hmm. But I was I was kind of close. But you were not pretty close. Complete, yeah. Not completely close. I was, I was on the right train of thought, but mm-hmm. didn't quite nail it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, it was so good to see Sakata get slapped hard. It was. Sure. He deserves yes. it. So he deserves to get slapped like fifty times. Let's be real. But but basically, <laughs> she says she does it because like Nodoka has a fashion shoot tomorrow, so like she can't sl- slap Nodoka, but Nodoka deserves to get slapped. Which let's be real, she also does deserve to get slapped. Like it should have been like a twofer, <laughs> like the, slapping both of them. But anyway. Maya talks about how Nodoka's mom was really uneasy when she congratulated like who she thought was Nodoka. And she hadn't been sure that Nodoka had even been enjoying her job up to that point. Um, and Nodoka's still in drama mode and is like, I just want my mom to be happy. And she's sad all the time. And she keeps looking at Mai and being upset. And, and Mai's like, mm-hmm. oh, you're going to have to make her happy by making yourself happy and working hard and, and all this cheesy bullshit. And then um, Nodoka's like, do I have to be like you? And Mai's like, you can be if you want. And Nodoka's like, but I don't want to be like you. And then they switch back at that point with like this weird popping noise that sounds like yeah, popcorn it was like a snap popping. Or yeah, that was kind of funny. It, it made me think of like the most delicious popcorn. Like it made me kind of hungry. Anyway. <laughs> oh, really? Because it made me think of quantum teleportation. <laughs> oh, oh, now, okay. Th- then after that, like the whole thing where they switch back, you get this explanation, like with um, Fud- Fudaba, like in the lab again. But it's like such a bullshit explanation. Because first of all, it's like half ass. Well, every, every explanation has been quantum physics so. yeah well, but like this oh, one was the most half ass of half ass yes it's like quarter easily. ass it's quarter ass at this point and like they they basically say quantum te- teleportation again they already fucking use that explanation they can't reuse yeah. the same fucking thing again like lazy yeah, like lazy this, bunny show come on this was a roller coaster of emotions for me because like as soon as futaba popped on screen i was like oh yes stupid physics explanation coming right up <laughs> oh but then God. i was like so disappointed when they just reused quantum teleportation again i was like really They're i just, know it's like if exactly you the same explanation this, then don't even explain it just shut your mouth and like act like you forgot because that was some <laughs> bullshit and then at yeah. the very end you find out that Nodoka is moving in with Mai, and then Sakuda got caught in the head headloid like tabloids with uh, Mai, and with so Mai, that's gonna yeah. be a problem. So like basically, Sakuta is gonna get double cock blocked ne- next episode because he can't be seen with Mai because the tabloids, and he can't go to Mai's house to like play like you ooh touchy feely because Nodoka is gonna mm-hmm. be there. So like he's fucked. <laughs> ha. Look, I think Nodoka would be in a, in on a, a like a little sister threesome. Uh, <laughs> she she oh said at the end of the episode, I kind of understand what she sees in you, Sakita. So she's mm. down. She's Is this down. what we go, we're going back to? Get, get <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a threesome somehow. I, I don't want to oh, see God. any double blowjob like fan <laughs> art. No, it's going to be a foursome because like Futaba. It's going to be all the girls. It's going to be a giant orgy at this point. If I see a fan art of a double blowjob with my and Nodica, I'm going to be so disgusted. That's all I'm saying. I need to look this up and send the picture to you. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like almost you, certainly I mean, already. I mean, You'll, you'll get a message. You'll, you'll, it'll be me going, 
so Kat, how's your Sunday? And you're like, fine. Why? <laughs> Bam, picture. <laughs> I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. uh, let's take a quick break while ha- we search for that. I have an honest to God <laughs> oh, question about the show. Okay. What? I'm very meh with this show, but it's really, really popular, and you guys seem to be enjoying it. What? What in this show is like really compelling you to guys? Because like I'm, I definitely wouldn't be watching it if not for the podcast. Um. So uh, first of all, on one level, I'm really entertained by how stupid it is at times. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> like really, really entertained. I've watched a lot of like romantic comedies, and uh, I also really like shows like My Teenage Love Com, like Snafu, which have like a sarcastic asshole main character. Like a lot of people are really like turned off by those types of main characters who think they're like smarter than everybody else and are really sarcastic. And then they like sacrifice themselves with the girls and they, they see through it because it's like a power fantasy. I get all that. I still really enjoy it because I just enjoy like the snappy dialogue between him and between all of the girls. Uh, and I also really like most of the girls. Like, I've liked Mai a lot. I liked Futaba. Uh, I think I liked Nodoka. She was cool. Like, her idol group was fun. Uh, like, Tomoe, I could take her leave. She was not that interesting. But um, <laughs> that's what I find uh, interesting. It's just, like, the dialogue, okay. especially between Sakata and the girls, I find entertaining. Okay, Kat, you locked it. Why, why did I, I you like tell- it so much? I, it's not that I liked it so much. It's that I could tell it was going to be very well produced, and it was the kind of show that was going to have a lot of a lot of popularity and like staying power. And I'm glad I was right. Um, yeah. Hmm. I personally do not. I'm not a huge fan of these um, harem style anime. I do like Maya's character a lot, and I enjoy mm-hmm. her. Personally, my my best end to this anime would be her dumping the fuck out of Sakuta <laughs> and like stepping all over his face and then watching him cry as she walks away. That Never would be the best ending to this anime. I would be so happy. Then Maya could like find like I don't know, maybe she could like date one of the other girls. Like maybe she and Futaba like hook up or whatever. That would be awesome. All right. She deserves someone <laughs> equally as awesome as her. Um, I, Maybe I uh, like Sakata the, will bottle sw- body swap with Futaba, and then you'll get ooh, what you want. Yeah. Oh, Jesus Christ. But, but, um, <laughs> well, that would still be Sakata. I so, know. Yeah. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so huh? I mean. Okay, I was honestly fine. interested because I don't, I don't really care for it that much. I don't think it's bad. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's amazing either. But okay, the that's interesting. The dialogue is well uh, done. I do agree with Become on that. But yeah. All right, let's do that break you wanted to do, Become. Yeah. Let's do it. Hey. Hey. Do you like wrestling? Whether it be in a bar, an arena, some weird place in Asia, or in a stadium. Or the occasional penis plex. Well, if any of these things might tickle your fancy, anywhere in between from penises to wrestling, you can come and check out our podcast. Our podcast name is Smack It Down. We talk all things WWE, New Japan, anything else in between. I'm Jay Silver. I'm Corey Gold. And we look forward to you joining us. Happy Rusev Day. Happy Rusev Day, indeed. Here's a slimy pizza we found in the garbage. They're going to go to the park late at night. Nothing wrong could happen there. Nothing bad ever happens at the park late at night. It's Japan. It's safe there. Yeah, sure. 
safe. The tentacle monsters only come out in your bedroom at night. Um, you haven't watched a whole lot of hentai, have you? No, I. They catch you at school too. (laughs) (laughs) You can find the Trash Pandas Watch Anime podcast on FaceTube, UBook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes, and on Twitter at Trash Panda Anime. Oh, we also have a website tpwapodcast.com Hi, I'm JD, your host of the Red Leaf Retrocast, your best location to learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. Our podcast has four shows for you to listen to between retro gaming, modern gaming, anime, and even wrestling. The Retro Gaming Cast covers discussion topics, and each episode we discuss retro games picked based on a decided theme for that episode, ranging from space all the way to console specials like the old handheld Game Boy. Our Modern Gaming Cast is monthly and covers video game titles that were released in that previous month. Each anime cast, we focus to review a retro anime each and every episode, like the original Mobile Suit Gundam to the racing hit Initial D. But that's not all. We also keep up with the seasonal shows by occasionally doing impressions and reviews as well. Finally, our last show is about wrestling, where we keep the rising indie scene up to date while also covering shows from the bigger promotions like Ring of Honor, New Japan, and WWE, so we cover it all. We also cover a retired wrestler every episode in what we call the Wrestler Spotlight and are currently on a quest covering old WCW Thunder episodes from the late 90s. Every cast. So if any one of those casts sound like something you'd like to check out, that's the Red Leaf Retrocast Gaming, Anime, and Wrestling, found at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, and all your favorite podcasting sites. Also, you can learn, remember, and relive the past to the present. We can't wait to see you soon. All right. And we're fucking back, bitches. And we've got some bananas and some fish. Take it away, Leo. Oh, man. Bananas and fish together does not sound good. <laughs> Sounds better now than chicken. Kind of That's all I'm wondering if you could make like a pate of like mushed up fish maybe you can make a banana fish paste cat yeah and and like bananas and then you could feed it to people and be like this is the the heart the soul of banana fish and then you make a cake out of it oh shit then we're going real deep no i like this idea though like you could make a a a chikawa cake like literally how asuka is gonna do it and you could put banana icing on it and it could be a banana Ooh. fish fucking cake yeah holy <laughs> so, shit ep- episode 22 <laughs> as i lay dying which is a very overdramatic title to me uh, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I got a question for you guys where the fuck did ebay go um i don't know he didn't did go he, back to Japan, did he? I don't think I don't he remember did. when he did. I just noticed he's been gone the last couple episodes or something. I yeah, feel like so many things happen missing. in this anime. It's easy for characters to just disappear and then they reappear and you're like, oh, where have you been? Like, yeah, that's true. 
I can't remember. I, I vaguely remember him saying something about. I, I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. It's. It's. I don't know. Uh, apparently, that scene was very forgettable because none of us remember if it did yeah. happen. So Max and like a mix of people from the various gangs get uh, that was involved who got uh, captured and stuff. They get loaded into a box truck and they're getting shipped out to Doctor Mannerheim. If you don't remember, it's that crazy doctor who wanted to feed banana fish to Ash. Mm. Uh, Fox then invites Ash inside to have a word with him uh, and Fox proposes they work together by Ash becoming the head of the foundation and he will take care of the shady business of course Ash like laughs in his face and he said he'd rather kiss a slug than work with him but not to be turred Fox threatens Ash with rape and then falls through (laughs) it's just so fucking like again again and again and again and again this is like the only trick this show has up its sleeve and it's been playing it since episode one it's like episode 20 freaking two now and i'm just like i i almost tuned out for the rest of the episode the amount of gay people is so much higher than straight people in this show it's i don't know if it's like that that they're gay as much as they're just taking an opportunity they're like ooh, it's it's available but it's still fucked up and also i don't know it just seems like there's not so very much mess in any of these rape scenes. Like, there uh, really, if this was happening, there there would be more <laughs> mess. But yeah. whatever. Uh, so Fox with shit on his dick has to yeah. leave to take a call from Dino, <laughs> and he leaves two other men watching Ash. Of course, he escapes with like a cigarette that was thrown on the ground. He burns through his ropes, which I'm going to call bullshit because that smell would be very apparent. Yeah, a, especially in a room like that, they they would smell it long before you got close enough to break through. Hmm. Uh, and then, like, he takes the guy's knife and like stabs him with it, and then pulls it out and throws it at other guy. And of course, perfect accuracy hits him right in the fucking forehead. And, like <laughs> the guy falls back and his gun's going off. But like Asian, a couple of the other guys are like outside. So when that happens, they rush the the complex compound or the building they're at, and like. Fox doesn't know how many people are attacking him at the moment, so he just decides to retreat for now. And then it's a very quick scene of uh, AG consoling Ash, who's like kind of shooken up by being raped. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. understandably, but he's also been raped hundreds of times by now, I think. Uh, yeah, it starts to lose its like plot relevance when they do it this many times. You know? Yeah, and, and we have no no idea how many times he was raped as a child, which pretty much sounds countless. Um, they end up meeting up with the rest of the gangs who didn't get captured, and Lau is again bitching to Singh about following Ash, and then like he just gets so pissed he leaves, and he goes to Yet Lung, who wants him to kill Aji, but he doesn't want to because he feels like Aji is an innocent guy and he can't kill somebody who's innocent. So in the end, he he just has Lao do like nothing. Yeah. And, and then we get a little bit of a better understanding of why Yetlung hates AG so much. He basically believes he is holding Ash back and wants Ash to like become a monster so he can fight against him. <laughs> okay. It seems a little yeah. convoluted. Seems like yeah. uh, I don't know what's Contrived. going on here. Yeah. I'm yeah. A, I'm also getting a vibe that maybe Yetlung has more of a love interest in Ash and he's Kind of actually just really jealous against Aji. Yeah, yeah that's a that. fair point. I can like, see he, that. He, he wishes Ash was paying attention to him like he is to Aji. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I get the most. Uh, so, and then Dino is apparently having another one of these health institutions built with an even better security system than the last one. Uh, they are also in- interrogating Max to get back that data that he stole f- like forever ago. 
uh, and he's just like being really stubborn. So Fox decides to use a truth serum on him. They apparently got the info out of him because someone like Fox goons go to the bank to look at in the lockbox, but it's gone because Jessica and Ash already retrieved the hard drive with the data about all of Dino's connections to the government. They, they say like the white house would be in an uproar if this got out. And then like the two go and they mi- visit the, the uh, reporter guide. He's reading a book that says desire of fish, which means nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a weird title. Yeah. But then, then we go back to Yutlung. And since Lau won't kill Eiji, he has two other members of Sing's gang there with him. And he wants them to go and kill Eiji. And he suggests they do it when Ash is with him. Also because Ash gets soft around him and his guard would be down. And then like later on, Blanca decides Eiji shouldn't die. And he goes to leave before being stopped by Yet Lung. And then they like talk it out. The Yet Young's like, you don't know where they are. And he's like, well, I'll look in all the places I would think he would be. And then he's like, oh, he's at Pier 4 is what Yet Lung tells him. And I'm like, why did Yet Lung tell him where the fuck he was? He's been trying to get Eiji killed this whole time. When did he suddenly have a conscience? He, yeah, he sees Blanca's, like, desire to help him, and I think he's just like, all right, fine, I'll help you out. Like, he just sees, like, how honorable Blanca is being, like, I'll go look for him no matter where. I also had a stray thought that maybe um, he kind of likes Blanca, like, maybe he's starting to have feelings for Blanca, and so he's doing what Blanca wants. I definitely saw, like, a parallel between Ash and AG and Blanca and Yutlung this episode. Like, they think they were kind of, like, making that clear. Um, and so I think you're right about that. Like, I think Yutlung uh, does care about what Blanca thinks. And From so, what yeah. I can gather, Blanca's the only guy in the show that's not gay and shown an interest in other women. So <laughs> I mean, maybe he's bi. Oh, you don't know. From what I know, he's the only person from Ash's past that didn't fucking rape him. Uh, yeah. I mean, no one said he was the aggressor. No one said he was the top. Yeah, other than other than Max, he's the only other guy in the show that showed an interest in the opposite fucking sex. All I'm gonna say is <laughs> that boy is a bottom. If you haven't watched that uh, YouTube video, it would be a fun one to watch. Um, oh God. I, I'll, also, I had this thought, like we were talking about how they have too many rape scenes in this. I'm kind of wondering yeah. if uh, in the manga if the rape scenes were completely flushed out instead of like cutaways, because that would make sense why there are so many rape scenes, because I don't know if you've ever read a lot of Yaoi, probably not. (laughs) I'm probably the only one who's read a lot of (laughs) Yaoi. What do you think? Um, There's one called like through my viewfinder that this would remind me of if they had flushed out a lot of the rape scenes where there's just like every few chapters, there's like a rape scene with this main guy. No, and, but like yeah, the- it, it's like ooh, it's it's more like instead of it being like um oh no it's rape time it's like ooh it's rape time which is problematic um but you know there's also a lot of straight porn that's that way well um, if somebody has the answer you know what a great way to let us know would be to join our discord server or write us a tell review us about and tell us in the <laughs> review and then i can read it and it'll be awesome yeah. Also true. Also a good way. And Cat will stop threatening the listeners. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So Ash wants AZ to go with like Jessica to be sheltered by like the news something or something another. I don't remember what group. It was a news group. It was uh, was strange to me. Uh, And like AZ agrees, but Ash is like kind of suspicious, but then he gets over it. 
And then they get back into the old argument where Aishi is like asking Ash to go back to Japan with him, which he said multiple times. And he's like, you know, there's no guns there. You can escape all this. And Ash is like, you know, I've actually really wanted to live a normal life. But then he's like, you know, you'll have to teach me Japanese, right? And it's like a cutesy scene. And they sit down and like Aishi starts teaching him. And it's this really heartfelt moment. Oh, and, and then, then the then cheesiness the- t- kicks in. Go ahead. <laughs> And then that's when like the two working for Yetlong show up and in short, they get a shot into Aji. Hey, to me, it looks like a spleen shot. So he's probably fine. No. Okay. But, <laughs> but explain what the fuck he was just teaching him before the, like the most cheesy thing that could happen. Oh, they were, he's teaching him like really easy phrases and stuff that like, I guess he oh. already kind of learned from like eBay and stuff. And like, is there one that really grabbed your attention? No, Kat? like right <laughs> as it's about to happen, he goes, and this is how you say goodbye. And then he teaches him. Oh, and he says, yeah. Sayonara. I didn't even notice that. That's and great. And then he fucking shoots him. And it's the most I cheesy saw thing. That. I saw that. And I think my, and I, I had the thought and then my brain completely blocked it out because it was just, it was so cheesy. Yeah, And like, it's sayonara, which, which is, is, it's still goodbye, but in Japanese, if I'm right, it's supposed to mean like a permanent goodbye, correct? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't typically say that. Yeah, yeah. So they also get like a shot into Ash, who then like guns one down, and he chases the other and shoots the shit out of him repeatedly until Singh gets him to stop. Because everybody's showing up, they're like, "What the fuck are these gunshots about?" And then like Ash rushes back in time to see like Aji pass out in his arms and the. And and then again, I'm like, Jesus Christ, the Japanese just passing out everywhere in this season. <laughs> but, but then I was like, well, I was like, Aji had this. This one's completely justified on Aji's part, so it's okay. <laughs> he, he was shot. Yeah, we'll give him a yeah, pass. Yeah, he was fought. Also, I was annoyed because like Ash, like when he runs down the hall, like shooting, he shot like 26 bullets, like from that gun without reloading, and then like a 27th bullet or something to knock away Lau's gun, and I was just and, like. That's you a lot said, of bullets. You said you went back and counted, right? Yeah, I literally went back and counted because I was like, how many <laughs> fucking bullets did he just shoot from this stupid pistol? I was that like, mag okay. would be sticking like a foot out of the bottom <laughs> of that gun. <laughs> um, I did look up the name of the title. Again, it is a, a novel reference. As I Lay Dying is the 1930 novel by William Faulkner, uh, which is like a notable thing for telling its story through the lens of like 15 separate narrators, which is like a unique technique at the time, um, which this episode didn't really. I thought I was like when I read that, I was like, oh, I wonder if this episode is going to be told through a lot of different lenses narrators. Mm. It wasn't really. It was just like a normal episode of Banana Fish. Uh, the mm. novel is about like a mother who dies and then her family uh, try to like make her last wish come true, which is to be buried in her hometown of Jefferson, Mississippi. And they go through like a lot of trouble to bring her coffin to its resting place. But I think mostly this title was just chosen because AG is laying dying at the end of the episode. Like, like I think that was the only real parallel to the, the novel was the <laughs> title. So, yeah. Well, he did talk about going back home, too, in this episode. He did. You're right. You're right. Maybe you're, you know what, Leo? You're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. The way the brain works. Okay. Cat, <laughs> you got anything else you want to add? I added what I needed to add. You, right. I, I'm glad I brought that up, though, because that was some terribleness. <laughs> so, the show with no rape, Zombieland Saga. Thank oh, God. my gosh. No. 
Okay, you, Gary my did girl, probably have a lot of sex back in the day. My girl was <laughs> stolen from this yeah, week. You, she was Gary, snubbed. did not fucking get her episode. Yep. What bullshit is this? I'm also upset about this. This is pretty bullshit. I think, I think she gets her episode next episode. I hope so. Really? Huh. I really hope so, or I'm going to cut a bitch. All the I, other I people saw, got their episodes, except I Ty. saw a comment somewhere. Yeah. But like, Ty s- doesn't fucking need an episode. She has no soul. The whole series well, is her episode. So, okay, two things. <laughs> I saw a comment somewhere about Yugiri doing something in the show. And then I also saw the, saw the poll for the most popular female this week. Yeah. And it was, Ty was number one. I saw that too. That's stupid. Like, what but, but, but there's two more episodes out. So like yeah. she may have had something. And also, like I said before, she has the voice actor of Sailor Moon. So it's weird to hire somebody that famous and only have her go the whole fucking time. So like she might, she might be episode 12. I don't know. Honestly, uh, and you yeah. Gary might be my favorite character. Uh, you know what also is funny? Uh, I found out because like I was laughing at the very well, that, end of this episode. Romero okay. is barking, right? Yeah. And the barking was so ridiculous. I was like, who oh, the hell did this voice I acting? I wondered that too. I was, I actually made that a note. I was like, who does the <laughs> yeah. voice acting of this dog? I'm so glad you looked this up. So it's Yasuhiro Takato, who, guess what, played Artemis in Sailor Moon. <laughs> so a bunch of Sailor Moon people coming back for this. So That's it's epic. pretty cool. Yeah, because whoever, I mean, they, they went above and beyond for that barking. I was like, how does a human even make that noise? Holy shit. <laughs> All right, tell us about the episode, Leo. Oh, Kat, I know why she's your favorite. She's the most abusive character in the fucking show. (laughs) She's awesome. She's elegant and abusive. She's like both. She's the whole package. This is how a woman should be. Ideally. Uh, I agree. (laughs) So... uh, Hey, we know I like my badass women, so I completely agree with you. So, Mm -hmm. episode 10, no zombie, no saga. Sakura is still worried why she has no memory and Kotaro has scored them a concert with like a venue of 500 people. Uh, Sakura gets like super excited about it and is like probably a little too gung ho at like the practices and stuff. She's like, she's like so excited. She keeps going faster than everybody else. She's not in sync with them. But Kotaro notices and sends them to train in the mountains and Sakura really, really wants to practice. But the other girls are currently more worried about surviving while they're up there. Like, and everybody does something except for Sakura. So, like, Lily makes a fire. Uh, Yugiri leaves to find some mushrooms that are, like, most likely poisonous, but it's okay because they're zombies. Uh, and then eventually Sakura wanders off. She finds eye hunting, like, this little wild boar that Sakura accidentally scares away. And then she finds Junko fishing. So, Basically, everybody's doing something except for her at this point. She basically tells Sakura she needs to calm down and tells her she needs to look at everything from a different angle using a bunch of fishing analogies that don't really hold up in my in my <laughs> opinion. <Yeah. laughs> uh, and then, like, the, the, this whole episode, from scene to scene, they're doing, like, a countdown to when this event starts. Mm-hmm. And a couple more days pass with only Sakura bothering to practice. Saki finally decides they need some meat, and then, like, they all set out together to go find this little piggy that's been around and they dig like this small trap and then they hear something coming so everybody suddenly takes cover but Sakura like panics and she falls right into the trap but it's like the big old daddy boar like he wouldn't even fit in this trap in this first place 
Like he goes up to Sakura and they're like, uh, Yugiri's like, oh, you should play dead. So they're like, she's already dead. But then she like makes the dead face, which was kind of funny. I like that face. Yeah. And then like he just bites her head off. He like bites her head and pulls her out of the ground and swings her around and her body comes off. But then like (laughs) Ty comes out of nowhere and like charges up and like bites the boar and it runs away. Uh, And like Sakura's head is like soaked in saliva and she's just had enough at this point because nobody's practicing. She really wants this event to go off so, 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 so well. And that's when Kotaro shows up, the, like, Yola, Yola, you can go home now. And like, <laughs> Sakura mm-hmm. just ends up yelling at him because she feels like they wasted their time in the mountains completely. They go back to the mansion, and like, Sakura's still a step ahead of everybody during the routine. And she ends up blaming them because she was the only one practicing while they goofed off in the mountains. Mm-hmm. Uh, this next scene I really liked <laughs> like Yugari visits Kotaru who's like drinking sake in like a very Japanese style like diner slash bar do those have a specific name uh, I don't know uh, but like that's what it seemed like to me it was like eh. yeah, yeah like, it did before. have a bar so it's not well some some diners have bars though I guess but yeah yeah I've seen this on a show on Netflix it was really good it was a Japanese show too uh, mm-hmm. And at first she's like there and she's like doing her little like slow dancing stuff. And it's really cool. And she's talking to him about, you know, you probably sent soccer up in the mountains to help her cool down and all that stuff. And like it didn't work. And then he's like saying like how he wants to like be positive about her and she can work through it in the end. But then it calls back to an earlier set you remember when uh uh yugiri slapped sakura because she was getting ready to say oh i can't remember now but like oh we can work this out we can make this work but she slaps before Mm -hmm. she can get it out well she does that to fucking kotaru (laughs) i'm like you should believe in her more and like storms out and he's like but that's what I did say. <laughs> like, he's like, Don, Nani? Like, did, didn't, I, didn't I just say that? That's what I, that's what I was saying. What are you talking about? <laughs> this, this is why Kat likes you, Geary, so much, right? Yeah. This shit right here. <laughs> yeah, this is why I love you, Geary. <laughs> yeah, so Sakura cools off like a little bit at one of the practice, and she finally heads back inside to continue practicing. And then she ends up kind of watching from their viewing window, and she realizes they're all in sync, but she's not. And it was probably because they all contributed to their survival on the mountain. They were working together and she wasn't working with them together at all. She was just practicing. And then <laughs> uh, we'll go back to your analogy. There we go. She yeah. apologizes and like, then it all works out. And then like the next day she's like in really good spirits and she's so happy. It's all working out. And so she's like, I'm going to go for a run. And like, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, Oh God, truck coons showing up. Truck coons going up. I like I saw yep. it coming from a mile away. Oh, absolutely, one hundred percent saw this she coming. She goes running down the path, right through the gates, and boom! Truck coon hits her, <laughs> which I fucking laughed my ass off. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the interesting thing that happened here is when the truck hit her, it gave her her memories back. Yep. So she's got to deal with that <sighs> next episode. Which- so what we thought was a Yukiri arc. Turned out to be more of a Sakura arc. Well, but it yeah. wasn't even a Sakura arc. It was like a lead up to the Sakura yeah, arc. Yeah, it's like the because beginning like, of the Sakura you arc. You know the yeah. next episode is also going to be a Sakura episode. So like, it's, it's almost as if they've wasted like an episode that they didn't need to. Really, this should have fucking been Yugiri's episode. And if yes. they don't give Yugiri her own f- episode, I'm going to cut someone 
Because she deserves her own fucking episode. She, she deserves does. it. I'm upset. Yeah. I, uh, Hopefully I'll next right episode. Back. But yeah, that's I need the to make time. sure my doors are locked. Oh, okay. I don't want to be cut. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wait, are you actually being serious? You, do you really think that that would stop me? <laughs> like, do you think... like, I was like, all right, let's take a pause. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> do, do you think um, that that would stop me if I really wanted to come up there? No. <laughs> You're adorable. So um, this episode we found out what Zombieland Saga would be like if it was literally run with the wind. Because <laughs> Soccer is playing the role of Kakaru. Like, she's uh. like, oh, everyone's like, I'm ahead of everybody else's pace and I'm not looking back at them enough. And like, when she goes and watches them from the outside, it's just like Kakaru watching the race from the outside or like finally seeing everybody else for the first time. And it was just like, and yeah, like Kotaro was playing the role of Haiji. Like, yeah, you so see, you get it. Like, yeah, like you need to look at everybody else. And Are I was you just like, saying that bored. a sports <laughs> anime is a male version of an idol anime become? Absolutely. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> at least for one wrong. episode. You're not wrong, though. <laughs> at least this episode, yeah. Like, like yeah. Leo said, like this, I just could not help but see all of the parallels between those two episodes. They're so similar in their themes and like Sakura and Kakaru is like the thing is like Sakura is less of like an annoyance than Kakaru though. <laughs> She's more easy to put up with. I don't know why. But yeah. And like I said, I really chuckled at that stupid barking at the end of the episode. And I was like, oh, it's Artemis from Sailor Moon. <laughs> Very cool. <laughs> oh, he was also barking earlier on when they were like, oh, no, they weren't. They were at the river. But like he yeah. was like. In his weird, like, his aggressive dog form. form. Yeah. yeah. And then when he got the fish, he went back to, like, his smaller form. So that was yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, that was weird. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with this dog? Like, are they ever going to explain that as well? Like, they need to do some sort of explanation of the dog. Oh, like, my God. He plays, like, nothing but, like, creatures. Like you said, he was Artemis, which was a cat. He's that. Uh, he's the principal from Boku no Hero Academia. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Nezu? Yeah, he just plays yeah. nothing but creatures. <laughs> Could yeah, you yeah imagine, that made sense, too. Imagine yeah. a, um interview with him for a job. Oh How my God, fascinating that would be. Like, him being like, I play nothing but creatures. Here yeah, all like of the Dragon Ball things. Super, he's the bear guy. Yep. Uh, he full, plays uh, tons Alchemist. of, like, animal Full Metal Alchemist, characters. he's gluttony. Yeah. Like, he's just all this weird shit. It's all he plays. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I would love that job. Uh, speaking of weird shit again, Karakuri Circus. Weird, weird. shit. Right, so uh, weird. You're at least enjoying it, right? <laughs> uh, I am enjoying it, though I know that certain parts of this episode Kat will not have enjoyed, so I'm excited to hear Kat oh, talk Oh, I haven't read it. her stuff yet. This will be fun. <laughs> yeah, if okay. Kat's here. Oh, Kat is I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> okay, so. <sighs> okay, episode 10. Do they really call it Francine? That's a stupid name yes. for this episode. I don't know. Oh, I, I would like to say Becom. I've, <laughs> I just find it funny. Your picture for Francine in the character sheet is her yeah. smiling. <laughs> <laughs> Which yep. she never... Okay. <laughs> killing me. Make me snort. After this episode, that is kind of hilarious. Oh, <laughs> <It> man. <is. laughs> so, anyway, moving on. So at the beginning of this episode, the bro is still flipping out. Like, uh, isn't it? It's like Lin. It's like, is it Lin and Yen? Uh, 
the Jin. Jin, Jin is the, Jin the one who's Yin. flipping out. Which yeah, yeah. They did the fucking thing where they made like siblings' names rhyme. It's never a good <laughs> idea. Never do that. People who I are agree. gonna Don't have yeah, two brothers or whatever. So what about twins? It's it's even worse. Then it's even then, worse because they want to <laughs> oh, have their bad. own that's identities. Okay? I've got a friend named Jennifer and her her twin sisters named Jessica. So Jennifer and Jessica. Oh God. And then I have twin cousins Morgan and Megan. Oh, I bet they oh, hate God. that. I bet they hate it. I bet uh, one of them goes I, by Meg, don't they? No. Oh. <laughs> but Jennifer and Jessica go by Jen and Jess. Morgan and Megan go by their full name. Okay. <laughs> I'm just saying that. We derailed hard as yeah. fuck. <laughs> <laughs> it took us like two seconds to derail. It's epic. Okay. So he flips. He Jen flips out. And like, I guess Jen kidnapped Francine after the whole church proposal debacle that happened last episode where he proposes to her even though they've known each other for like a week and like they've never kissed and they've not uh, uh, yeah somehow it's totally fine that they're gonna get married but I but I guess Jen is like fuck but I want to marry her and he kidnaps her I don't think it was I think I think the the show makes it like they've been there a couple months I, it seemed pretty... I don't know. In, in any case, it's still too fucking soon, all right? Um, <laughs> hey, in that time period when you had a lifespan, if you were lucky, 40, you got married early. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. But yeah, so I guess the older... Like, Yen has been following them, because he's like, you stole my girl! I'm gonna get her back! And, for nine uh, years. For nine, nine years, years! Nine fucking years! I guess it's also oh like, well, this is my brother. I should probably come get him. And like the narrator, he keeps talking like he is Yen, but I don't think he is. And I'm confused why he keeps talking like that. No, it's Narumi. He got the memories. Oh, okay. yeah. From the, from the, the way water he Vita, keeps saying And he's, he's telling it. That's okay. how he's telling it as his own memory. It's so right. confusing because he keeps, yeah, the tense he uses and stuff anyway well, they have the same exact character model so yeah. <laughs> anyways also that. yeah so nine years after they vanished like yen is still looking for jen he finally finds jen jen's like oh nothing's wrong i'm fine francine is my wife now and he's like acting fucking insane He's acting exactly like Show Tucker from Full Metal Alchemist. Yeah, <laughs> like he's got. He's even got like the glasses that have like the white sheen on them because he's crazy. Yeah, and he's got like the Attack on Titan teeth in his mouth. Like he's yeah, he's. he's you you almost God. expect him to like pull off his shirt and be like, "Francine lives inside me now," or some bullshit. <laughs> Like, that's kind of what I expected. <laughs> no, this isn't Golden Kamui. <laughs> uh, but, um, and then he starts to cry and say Yen, like, betrayed him. Or, he's just a fucking a pussy bastard of a person. Like, he needs to get, I don't know what needs to happen to him, but he's a sad excuse for a human being. Um... Jen says that he's continued to study alchemy and, like, will soon be able to cure Francine, who's apparently sick. 
And he's like angry at Jin is angry at the villagers, but hasn't done anything to the villagers. Yeah, because yeah, they've stolen Francine and locked her away so nobody else will get sick, but he hasn't done anything to get her back. Yeah. What? I'm like, but you're mad, what? but you're not doing anything. Like, wouldn't you like go and escape with her, like in the middle of the night? <sighs> My guess is that like she he believes that like she doesn't love him like she she tells Yin later he tells Yin later in the episode well she never really loved me anyway she he was probably worried that she would just like run away and like go but back to Yin but she didn't for nine fucking yeah, years yeah she didn't for nine years which is the weird fucking thing I about don't this. get that at all I <laughs> don't well because like don't they hint that like maybe she also loved Yin. And yes. Jin at the same time. And I'm like, well, girl, okay. I mean, if that's how you feel, I don't think it would work out if both of them were there at the same time. Yeah, but in the end, she loved Yin more. That's obvious. Yeah, I yeah. think, I, yeah, she definitely, she's like, you're the one I truly loved. And like, she like apologizes to him for being with him, uh, with, with Jin. Like, so I don't know, but it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. Um, but yeah, so Yen goes to find Francine since he's alarmed. He's like, she's sick. Um, and she sees her in this prison that the villagers have locked her in to prevent her from getting anyone else sick. And Francine thinks he must be like a vision, but is happy to see him and is like, I love you the most. And and Yen is like pissed off that the shackles are on her. Um. Oh, I, I would like to point out, if she's being imprisoned, that means she's being visited. They're giving her food. They're giving her water. Yeah. But then in the end, they burn it down? What? Yeah. I don't get that either. I guess they. Yeah. I guess when somebody kind like came to try and save her, they probably had a meeting that were like, this bitch is too much like pain of the ass to take care of anymore. We're just going to burn her. It's like burn her tire building down. Yeah, but she's hot as fuck. What are you guys thinking? Come on. <laughs> well, they're thinking we don't want to die and we don't want our families to die from this disease that she has. <laughs> That's what they're thinking. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. So then at this point, it gets a little weird. Yen, like, grabs her and is like, you're my wife no matter what. He then asks her to, like, take off her clothes. <laughs> So he can examine her and cure her. And I'm like, sure, Yen, that's what you want. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it was a weird translation because in the end, he just wanted to like see her back. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he, he does. His, he, yeah, he learned Western medicine or something yeah, while Chinese, he was traveling. So Chinese he's a acupuncture or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> Yen is like trying to be all amorous with Francine. And meanwhile, Francine is like so sick she can't even stand and like sits back down. And the villagers come and like chaotically separate them in this weird way. And I'm like, well, but you've been feeding her. So like someone's been coming over. Like, (laughs) yeah, there has been contact. Like, I don't know what's happening in this situation uh, so Yen is like I must save her and so he works tirelessly on the aqua vita and finishes it so that he can like cure her he runs over to give it to her but the building is on fire and because Francine has like had some emo moment 
where she's like, cut my life into pieces. This is my last resort. <laughs> and like decides that because she loves two people, she just needs to kill herself and be like the most emo stereotype of all time. So she does this. I'm surprised you didn't go with an Evanescence song. Oh, yeah. Or like, um, <laughs> breathe me, wake me up inside. Like, she could have started singing that. I can't wake up. Yeah, I know. So. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know. So she basically starts ranting about how, like, he needs to love someone more worthy than her. And, like, she lived with Jen for years and they've been fucking. And, like, Yen's like, I don't care. I love you anyway. And, like, also she cut off her hair. And they do, like, a weird pan of her hair cut off. Which makes me wonder, like... Because later they show this dog that looks like it is composed of nothing but her hair. Did you guys notice that? Yeah, that that dog is weird and And, suspect. And I was like, did they just make a weird zombie creature out of her hair? (laughs) And then, like, you're a dog. Like, is that what that is? It, it's a girl from front from, for uh, Romero from the Zombieland saga. <laughs> oh God, it's weird. But anyway, so at first I thought, oh, so because Jen raped her for years, she doesn't feel worthy. Um, mm-hmm. But then I was, but then based on what she, he's like, Yen said to Jen later, I'm kind of wondering, like, oh, she's feels bad because she loved both of them. I guess I don't know. In any case. Nothing. She just made this infinitely worse. Like, I don't know. So she, as she dies, she does this weird thing where she's like, next time I'll be insolent and cold to you. So it won't be hard when I love you. She completely describes Shiragane. Yeah, she basically is Is like, I'm going to set up Shiragane's character to be the way she is by saying this. And honestly, in my opinion, what she says doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, how mm-hmm. does that make anything better? That's stupid. Um, yeah. <laughs> Agreed. I don't know. This whole... I mean, it does explain some things that happen, like this and then the next part, but, like, it's still a stupid flashback, especially the idea that, like, oh, these two are re- reincarnations of, Nar- of uh, Narumi and Shiragane. Like, it's just... It, I don't know. So... But yeah, like I said, Yen has a little back and forth with Jen where he's like, you know, she loved you too and she or she would have run away. And Jen's like, oh, I'm shocked by this. And like Yen leaves, but Jen stays behind and apparently does experiments with the Aquavita for like 20 years after Yen leaves. And he makes this like weird Frankenstein Francine that's like a puppet. So I guess it's like the first puppet, right, is this um francine puppet yeah animatronic yeah but he can't make her laugh but so he makes the circuit like he okay so first of all my thought was he he buys all these people i guess well he makes all these dolls to make a circus where is he getting the money francine the laughs for all of this who knows Oh, uh, he's an alchemist. He can turn things into gold, probably. <laughs> no, like, I, I have to assume that Yen and Jen's family were wealthy because, like, it seems like neither of them have worked a day in their life, and yet they are going on adventures and stuff for well, you know, those 20 plus years. From a, 
family of puppeteers and they make that sweet, sweet cash, I guess. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. Something's going on there. Um, so anyway, he, he gets pissed off that like even with the circus people, Shiragane won't laugh. So he infects the people of the village who imprisoned Francine with this like disease he's made up called Zonifa. So he makes Zonifa, basically. Um, so they would be forced to try to make her laugh since like the only way they can get cured is to make someone laugh. And so basically you find out like the beginning of the midnight circus is Jin and the beginning of Zonifa is also Jin. So like Jin is the like origin of all evil in the story, basically. (laughs) Um, and the clowns, like kill the villagers in like twisted fucked up ways trying to make Francine laugh and I just keep thinking like how is killing villagers gonna make her laugh well at this point Jin is still controlling everything and he's fucking crazy as hell so you know maybe juggling a couple heads is what does it yeah maybe <laughs> in, his, in his head <laughs> maybe but yeah so Francine um I don't know. At this point, the villagers infected with Zonifa can't die because, like, that's like the final stage of Zonifa. Um, one day, Yen comes back and is like, "Oh, look what happened! Oh shit!" And like tells some of the backstory of Jin and why he did what he did to the villagers. And you find out that old lady. Oh, what's her name? Um, Lucille. Lucille was yeah. one of the villagers, like the originals, and that's why she looks old as fuck because she is. Because like, oh boy, did she's... she not age well at fucking yeah. all? Because <laughs> well, that makes sense, right? Like, if you can't die, like I'm sure you still age some. Yeah. So Yen decides he's going to use Aquavita on this well, but only allows those who want revenge on Jin to drink from it. Um. He then tells them, like, what is in a chest, like, that will help them get revenge. And then it's like, oh, and then to make the well complete, I'll dissolve myself in it so that my memories are in it or something. Mm-hmm. That part is right. a little it, it, weird. It, wait, and it also controls them to ha- uh, want revenge on Jin. Okay. Yeah, that was that was interesting. When Lucille drank the Aquavitae, that reminded me a lot of, uh, like, certain parts of Attack on Titan Season 3. Where it's like when you pass the Titan powers down, you don't just pass the power. You pass like all this information, like all these thoughts and feelings of like your ancestors and stuff through it as well. And so that was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah. But then so then the old lady, Lucille, drinks the water the next day and she gains the knowledge and the desire to crush all automata and all this bullshit. Um, And then you find out that Yin, like, because he's... A dumbass. That's why he doesn't feel the same <laughs> controlling power. Like even though he drank the auto out of Aquavita, which sounds like a cop out to me. Yeah. <laughs> um. And then okay, then this old automata, which is one of the first ones from the circus, and it's guess what its fucking name is Becom. it's Italian so I know it no okay <laughs> this doesn't seem Italian it's called like pantaloons isn't it isn't that it's, it's pant- name pantalone it means pants pants or pantaloons in Italian yeah why the fuck <laughs> would you name a puppet after pants 
<laughs> That's stupid. Did you see that puppet's pants though? Fucking styling. No. You can't name a fucking no, yeah, You no. can't name it pantaloons. That's stupid. <laughs> anyway, I got angry at that, and then Jen gets angry eventually at the fake Francine for never laughing and being a soulless toy, and Pantaloons explains Pantaloons explains fucking Why am I saying this sentence? Anyway. <laughs> Pantaloons, the f- puppet explains that he gets angry at her and tries to kill her. And then Francine, like, the puppet Francine, then makes the puppets able to have free will, which also doesn't make sense to me. Like, how can she, a puppet, make other puppets able to have free will? And it's not clear what happened to Jin at this point. Yeah, they don't say. Did he die? Did he go on to do something else? Like turned on him and was like, "Oh, you're gonna try to kill me? I'll kill you." I hope that's what happened. So I just figured something out from Google searching Pantalone, which is really interesting. It's also underwear. I know. No, but no, no. Actually, it's really more surprising that so Pantaloon or Pantalone is basically the name of a stock character from 16th century Italian. Like uh, plays basically, and so he's this cunning and rapacious yet often deceived Venetian merchant type character, who I guess showed up a lot in these like commedia dell'arte like type performances back then. Well, so I guess probably a lot of those characters that Francine has made are going to be based off of those Italian uh, type of like character tropes. Well, in some languages, it also means underwear. So, (laughs) Ponsu. (laughs) <laughs> god um so at this point the puppets want to make francine laugh and they have free will but and so they know that they they must drink aquavite to be able to make her laugh which makes no sense to me how is drinking that gonna help them make her laugh none of these things a lot of things in this episode they'll I tell you i think it's because they don't it make makes sense. them more human it gives them more emotions so they should be able guess. to understand better. Like, I feel that's like guess, they, they yes. say things like that. Like they say things like, "Oh, we have to drink the aquavita to make her laugh," but they don't explain why, and it doesn't make any sense. But like, oh, now that this has been established, it, it irritates. There's a lot of holes mm-hmm. in this plot. There's a lot of things that got explained in this episode, but there's also a lot of holes. Um. Anyway, then they. Oh, will- one more thing I would mention. Uh, Pantalone's voice actor I recognized right away I was like oh that's Hijikata Toshizo from Golden Kamui and it is it's uh, Joji Nakata who's who's voicing him so he's voicing him like in the exact same way as Hijikata from Golden okay. Kamui so I was like oh that's very obvious who that is <laughs> but yeah so the the puppet is here for the spring water and he's like I'm gonna take it now cause then I can make Francine laugh which makes me also wonder, like, are we going to run into this puppet Francine, like the original puppet Francine at some point? That'll be interesting. Um, mm. A fight breaks out to stop the puppet from drinking the water. The old man, like, blows himself up to kill the puppet. And he's like, I've lived a full life, a fulfilling life, and have no regrets. And Narmi thinks that <laughs> those words are, like, that the same. That was almost same. a good old man voice. I know. And then Narmi's like, those are the same words that Francine had as her last words. And I'm like, but that makes no sense that she would say that. Because, like, she didn't get to spend any time with uh, 
the one that she really yeah. loved. I don't know. Yeah, it's fucking stupid. I have to agree with you. Like that makes no it's sense so dumb. at all. A lot of things about this episode didn't make sense. I do like that they gave us a backstory to the Midnight Circus and Zonafa and everything, but like they they left also a lot of plot holes. And then they did also, give us backstory. It was that Jin got NTR'd so hard that he became the root of all evil. <laughs> <laughs> And then also, like, <laughs> captured the girl and raped her for nine years. Well, it was like, well, okay, it that's was, great. like, kind of rape and kind of not. Like, I, we don't know. And then, yeah. yeah. Then the show implies she willingly stayed for nine years. Yeah. yeah. It, the show is, I, it's so weird. Which my problem with that is, what, what happened to the orphan children and the old people she left behind? <laughs> they surely well, died, right? Maybe they figured out a way to live on their own based on like how she showed them to survive. I expect an orphan or two probably made it. Oh, couple definitely died, but most of the orphans definitely got wrecked. (laughs) That would be really interesting. Like, I don't know how much time has passed since, because like Lucille is still around. I guess it's hundreds of years. So I was going to say if any of the orphans were adults now and they recognized uh, Shiragane or something, but I doubt that will happen because I think too much time has passed, but... Mm-hmm. Also, they're in Prague, so <laughs> not going to be there. No, I don't think any of these people are alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless they All found right. some aqua vitae. <laughs> I want to yeah. move on from that episode because it was dumb and move on to a better episode. Bloom into you. You guys are right with that? Yeah. Uh, Hell yeah. Sure. Okay, so. Ha- ha- have you ever dreamed of a memory, Pecan? Um. I think I have on rare occasion, but I almost never remember my dreams. But I definitely have dreamed of I memories before. I have never dreamed of a memory. I'll typically alter my memories when I dream of them, though. Because it's the, typically when I have a dream like that, it's because I want to change something about that memory. I've never done that either. That's so, that's so weird to me. I've also had dreams that felt so real that I, they became memories and I got them confused with memories. Like actual real memories that happened. I had this really weird dream that I cut off the tip of my cat's tail what? when I was a little kid. <laughs> okay. Uh, what? And I thought I actually did it for a long time. And oh, my God. parents were like, no, you never did that. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> I, I've never done that either. Cat, what about you? you ever done any, had like memories or dreams or anything? I've never no. lived nothing or nothing like that. Yeah. I yeah. mean, huh. I've had some bizarre dreams in my life, but I've never gotten it mixed up. I've had like repeating dreams that change a little, but nothing from like a memory or anything like that, or confused and becomes case as an actual memory. Yeah. So, huh. So the reason we're talking about memories is because Bloom starts with one in episode 10. Uh, It opens with like Toko is asking the other girls at lunch if they've ever had a dream where they totally relive a moment from their lives. And because apparently Toko has been having this recurring dream. And Sayaka suggests, like, well, maybe it's happened because you're thinking so much about that memory when you're awake. And then when you go to sleep, you keep thinking about it. And Toko's like, ah, maybe that's true. So Koyomi has finished the first draft of her script for the stage play. And, like, you, like, yoinks it out of her hand so she can copy it and, like, distribute it to the rest of the cast. Koyomi, like, was, like, afraid to have everybody read it. But, you know, she goes to give one to Tokyo Toko and gets a bit close to her while reading it and uh you kind of like awkwardly like steps away from her put some distance between them which i think now is because she's like uncomfortable being so close to toko because like she knows she's feeling things for her yeah her fucking hormones are starting to kick 
kick yeah. in, mm-hmm. basically. T- Toko just hasn't realized that yet and is like, oh, I guess I took things way too far in that shed, which is true, but also <laughs> incorrect at the same time. So, oh, um, boy. And Koyomi's script, when they talk about it, it really reminded me of the story Rashomon, well, actually the movie Rashomon by Akira Kurosawa, because like the main character is a girl in a hospital with amnesia, and the Rashomon part is that she's visited by three people, her lover, a family member, and a friend, who all recount like different stories about who she used to be. And so she doesn't know who to believe and like who is telling the true version of who she really was. Um, and so reading it, Toko is like a bit frightened by Koyomi's insight. Like Koyomi doesn't even know that much about her, but she knows enough to know that like this empty husk of a person who doesn't know really who she is, is a perfect character for Toko to play. Yeah. Um, it's a little interesting how that worked out. Yeah. So, uh, Kiyomi, she wrote the script without anybody's name on it so they could just read it without knowing their roles first. But Toko's smart. So she figured out that she's the main character, obviously, her lover is supposed to be played by Sayaka. And uh, I think the other, like, Dojima is going to be playing, like, uh, one of the guys, like, either a, a younger brother or something. And, like, the other guy is playing um, a classmate. And Yu is going to play this, like, minor role of a nurse. Don't, um, don't they even joke about how, like, if maybe the guys had the lead roles? And yeah, they totally like, a do. It's like... Koyomi's like oh no like I thought like Sayaka would fit better because like some people joke about her like you're a married couple or something and of course Dojima like one of the guys is like wait girls can't love girls well he doesn't actually say that he's just like (laughs) he's like like, girls love girls oh Japan and I also wondered like (laughs) would this actually be acceptable in a Japanese high school like for them I think so like I don't like it can't be like anime have done the stupid cross dressing like play I mean, but forever. it's different to have like ha ha we're cross dressing as opposed to yeah. it being like these two people are love interests and this is a serious play. You know you're right that this is like much more direct and especially how like the two teachers in this show feel about hiding their relationship. Yeah, it's interesting whether that well, would be appropriate or not. I'd also like to say. Uh, Koyomi is basically writing her story how she literally sees things. Yeah. So that yeah. that that's interesting. Koyomi has got some real insight for sure into these these <laughs> dynamics. Uh, so Toko has organized a two night study camp over summer break so they can all rehearse the play at this like lodge that's owned by the school where students can go for like study breaks and stuff. Uh. And they're eating some Dr. Donuts and uh, Yu teases Toko wondering if she'll be able to hold herself back because they're going to be sleeping in the same room together. And Toko tells Yu, I've been working really hard to hold myself back and I'll be able to, I promise. And she's like, the last thing I want is for you to hate me. And Yu basically tells her, don't worry about that. And but she appreciates that she's like showing some restraint. Um, Rico, their teacher, makes a call to a former student council member named Ichigaya to ask him to come watch the rehearsals for the new play because she feels he'd be interested because he used to be, I think, on the student council. And she's not that interested at first, but when she mentions that the star of the play is a girl named Nanami, he gets really interested. It's very clear he knew uh, Toko's older sister. Mm -hmm. Um 
So also funny during that scene is that Miyako is like trying to kiss uh, Rico while she's on the phone and like Rico has to like push her face away. It's very cute. Which um, is just like a typical <laughs> thing for any relationship. Really, any, yeah, I think. anybody can identify <laughs> with that. Yeah. Uh, so there's a brief scene where Toko thinks she wants to write out a wish and hang it on a tree outside the school like other people are doing. But she says that like what she really wants to write is like so deep inside of her that she couldn't even really express it even if she wanted to. She ends up like sort of like crumpling the paper and hanging it like frustratedly on the tree, like blank as her wish. Uh, and then we move on to the last section of the episode, Mirage, where it's summer break and Yu is determined not to rely on Toko to have fun. So she ends up just randomly meeting her old softball friend, Natsuki, while they're out for a run and just goes around doing things with her. But when she does things like she buys these like cute pajamas, but not too cute, just like a girl would buy for like their boyfriend or for their girlfriend or anything uh, for the sleepover. And like Natsuki picks up on this and then they go to Miyako's cafe to like hang out. And it's also clear that like, you just can't stop talking about Nanami anytime she talks about her friends and Natsuki's picking up on it. Miyako is picking up on it. It's very clear that this is all that's on Yu's mind. And Natsuki's more surprised that like you even cares about like someone enough to complain about them because like previously she just never seemed to care about anything enough, like especially softball to complain about it. And Natsuki had wanted to invite her to play softball together in high school and go to the same high school, but held back because she knew that like you was the type of person who would just go with the flow and would go there even if it wasn't what she truly wanted. Uh, so it was nice of Natsuki to be considerate like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the very end of the scene, like just to nail it in, like she gets a notification you does on her phone and she's like, Oh my God, is it finally Toko? And it's no, it's just like a software update. And man, can I identify with getting stupid software updates on my phone? <laughs> God damn. I Stop think everyone can also identify with like the whole, Ooh, I shouldn't text first. I should wait for them to text first thing. Right. So speaking well, of which, I, I have a, oh, sorry. I have a problem with this. So mm-hmm. you saying one thing about like in the texting, but then she's wanting the opposite. Oh yeah. Well, she's totally lying to herself. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it was kind of frustrating to me because this is generally thought of as, as a negative stereotype for women. Oh, when you, you say, say one thing, but they actually but really want, want the other different. Yeah. Yeah. And it just really surprised me that a female author went with this. She put this in her story. Yeah, I, well, I think it's more of a dangerous stereotype when it comes to like having sex or intimate relationships. Yeah. I think that's where it really gets dangerous because, like, if if you have guys trained to think that when girls say no, they really mean yes, then that is a problem for sure. Yeah, and that's kind yeah. of where I went with it, and yeah. I'm just like you, and like it's kind of like big and upfront in this episode, and I was just yeah. like. I, it just really surprised me. I feel female author went with it. And I'm, I, I was like, you, it, I don't know. I felt like they reinforced it. Like it's really true. And I'm like, to an extent, but yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of like a negative thing. And like people joke about it or use it against women, you know, whatever. Yeah, no, that's, okay, you, go ahead. that's a good point that you, I mean, cause that's, that's is very heavy in this episode, especially. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, we do get to see Toko's perspective finally. She's eating dinner with her family 
And her father kind of like sternly tells her like, you know, you don't need to revive this student council play just for your sister's sake, which makes her pretty angry because she goes back to her room and she's like, I'm doing this for myself. And he still says stuff like that. But I don't think she is doing it for herself. Like, I think he's completely right in saying, like, you don't need to do this. Um, uh, We see her then, like, pick up her phone and struggle not to message you. She's typing in full messages and then just deleting them. And then eventually she just gives in and she just calls you to talk and just hear the sound of her voice. And there's this whole thing where, like, Toko just relaxes hearing you's, like, mundane responses to her questions like knowing that like she doesn't really care about like the drama that's going on in her life but she'll still be there to like comfort her and on the other end of the phone conversation like you is thinking about how anxious it makes her to talk to toko because she's such a handful but she's starting to really like having her hands full with her and so finally after the credits we see the the recurring dream that toko was talking about at the beginning it's memories from her childhood with her older sister. Uh, but then she's awakened by the blaring siren of an ambulance, obviously coming to get her sister. And she wakes up and grabs a family photo out of her drawer. And she declares like, I'm going to become my sister. And so, yeah, like her, yeah, her and dad she feels was right. responsible for her yeah. death because of a fucking paper rock scissors game. And she <sighs> had to go to the store instead. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, I I still am struggling with Toko's character. Like I still don't firmly get where she's coming from. Did you did you say this got fleshed out in an earlier episode? Yeah, it did. Uh, so they they explained um like how she wants to become her sister, or how like when her sister died, everybody basically asked her like, oh, you need to be your sister for her sake. You need to like live up well, to her what she they, was. They asked her to become that. I think she just assumed that role because she felt yes. like it was empty. And that's yeah, something she feels that responsible. happens yeah. when Which- when an older sibling dies. Like I have a friend who his older brother died, and something similar happened where he kind of assumed that role. I do think it's something it would, that happens in real life. It's weird because Toko is such a strong character and she acts so uninfluenced by anybody else that I'm surprised she was that influenced by everybody else at an earlier period in time. Yeah, but I think it's because she puts up such a front. Like I think it is all fake and she really is like influenced by people. And so, yeah, that's like, yeah, like with both her and you, they are living sort of fake lives at this moment. Like, especially you right now, because she's clearly starting to feel love for Toko and Toko is living to be her sister. And it's, yeah, they need to start living their own lives, basically, and like be true to themselves. Not doing well. And I don't even know if what you is doing, thinking that that's what Toko wants, is really what toko wants like leo was saying because toko Mm -hmm. keeps saying like i want you to not love me and me love you because that's what i love about you but like she does all this stuff and wants you to reciprocate which makes me think she really wants you to love her (laughs) (laughs) definitely you know yeah both of them are very contradicting about what they say and then what they actually think yeah it's 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 kind of bad well, I think that's about it, though. Anything else on that? It was kind of a slow episode. 
Um, I agree. Uh, I, I assume the uh, the study camp is going to come next, and that will be more interesting. Yeah, that's what I think too. Because like it's gotta it's gotta come to a head soon. Like they only have mm-hmm. so many episodes left. So. Yeah. Okay. So everybody, we thank you for listening. If you really really like us, uh, give us some reviews. You know, even like, if you fucking oh. hate us, I don't know why you're listening to this. If you hate us, but like, leave a review and tell us to go like God suck dick, and like I will read it. <laughs> Like, whatever you want to do. We'd really like it if you liked, followed, and subscribed. Um, It will keep Kat from threatening you. Uh, But if you do like Kat threatening you, join our Discord. Oh, yeah, baby. And we could probably get her to send you private messages threatening you with your name and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, you can find us on (laughs) on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, We're also on Twitter at NerdMother. You'll get all kinds of updates there and all that stuff. And also check out our new podcast network, Anime Radicals at AnimeRadicals.com. And we will see everybody next week. Yeah. Bye.